0: Okay, we have Professor uh, Donner Hoffman, thank you so much for your time. Uh, very excited for this. MIT, you wrote a bunch of books, I think 90 very, very good papers that are easy to understand, uh, cognitive science, and of course, the how, how do you say this easy? The uh, I, I always relate what you do to if we were all born with meta glasses on, if we, we were all born with lenses from the metaverse, but way more advanced, nobody would know that we're all in a metaverse that doesn't really exist. So that's how I try to explain it. But, you know, thank you for your time. And uh, I just ruined what you created, which was interface theory, which is is really (laughs) awesome.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Tommy. It's a great pleasure. And, And I think your your initial idea that you started off with here is great. I actually agree if I think that the ideas that I'm talking about may seem strange to many people. But in a few years, when people have spent a lot of time in the metaverse, it's going to be like, so what? Of course. So I think that uh, the technology will just turn what seems crazy into that's obvious.
0: And then uh, as we get into it, just to, to lay a base. So the way I look at the interface that you uh, research, I believe you've proven it, is so when I'm born, when I had my daughter, she sees light. Light's what we see. So I say, my daughter's name is Giabella. Giabella, that's the sun. That's the moon. My dad said, that's the sun. That's the moon. So now in my interface, computer, whatever you want to call it, I think that that's the sun. I project that being the sun, the moon, the stars, this building, that building. But that's what I'm projecting it to be because it's all <laughs> I know, which then would relate to evolution in a sense, correct? Because over a period of time, it's almost being brainwashed in your own interface.
1: Right, the the, the projection actually happens even before you are told words. So right your your child isn't ready to understand words until they're about you know 18 months of age or so 15 18 months of age and then they become word learners very quickly what are they doing during that first 15 to 18 months they're not just sitting there like bumps on logs they're they're, their visual systems are very very busy turning what, what william james called the blooming buzzing confusion into a coherent world with you know objects in it like the sun and the moon and tables and chairs So by the time you actually get around to telling your daughter, oh, that's a spoon, or that's the moon, she already has a bunch of symbols in her head that she's projecting. She's already built her own little metaverse, and all you're doing is, you know, you're assuming that your metaverse is very similar to her metaverse, and when you point and say spoon, um, right, how much are you really teaching her? That's not much. You're just pointing and saying spoon, and she gets it. Now that's close to a miracle, right? Unless there's some really interesting correspondence between your visual world and her visual world And so so the projection happened even before language happened and language is sort of a simple add-on but but the interesting thing about language is That many spiritual traditions will tell us is that once you have a word, right? So there's the moon you tend to just stick with the word and not just and not be open to the mystery of the moon you, it's easy to slip into, well, I, I know what it is. Well, no, you just have a little label for something that's completely beyond uh, your imagination in terms of its complexity. So so in that sense, you're right that we're projecting, in some sense, this trivial word like moon onto something that's far more complicated. And often that stops us from digging in deeper and finding out what is this thing? You know, sometimes I should just let go of the word moon and stare in awe at that thing and, and recognize how little I know about it.
0: (laughs) So then with this interface that we're living in, is that there when, when we're in the womb of our mothers, is that already there?
1: Well, from a biological and evolutionary point of view, what, what we would say is that the, um, the genetic program is already there and it's unfolding such that your, your nervous system will evolve in the womb and then you know once you start getting stimulation outside of the womb when you after you're born it will evolve to have a set of visual objects that's very similar to most other people not exactly the same i mean there are little variations and some of us for example are um, have certain strengths and weaknesses some of us are born less able to recognize faces for example some people are born with what we call prosopagnosia or or various levels of Prosopagnosia. So, so there's a lot of variation, but, but there's enough. And, and for example, in color, right? Some men are red, green colorblind, right? right? So there, there are these there are these variations, but there's enough in common that we can talk to each other, whereas I can't really talk to my cat, right? I can't, you know, talk about the moon to my cat. There's, there's just not enough in common there. <laughs>
0: I think Brad Pitt has that Brad Pitt has where he can't recognize faces. He has a tough time that's- recognizing is, is that I think that's correct.
1: Yeah, prosop- I, I'm not sure about Brad, but but prosopagnosia is not unusual.
0: <clears throat> now, and another easy way I, I like to start off with this one, I try to explain it, <clears throat> um, I don't know if it was on Lex I saw it or if in one of your books, which we're, we're going to get to. Uh, if you take a cube, which I'm very jealous of people that could draw it, and then actually, when I was in high school, that used to piss me off because Can I can't draw a cube that looks like it's coming out a three dimensional cube. <laughs> I draw it on the paper sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, good. Good for you. <laughs> Now, uh, Professor, when, when you draw that cube, and I think that's a great example, it looks to us like it's coming out of the paper. That's what we project, but it's flat on the paper.
1: That's right.
0: So if you take that alone, and then you look at a building, you look at anything, you look at a cup, a drink, just based on that cube that you drew on that paper that looks to me like it's coming out, can relate to the entire interface that your basically that you're saying exists. Am I right?
1: Th- that's right. If you think about it uh, the your eye is like a camera. And the back of your eye is has something called the retina, which is about 120 million photoreceptors. It's like a 120 megapixel camera. And it's only two-dimensional. It's it's not exactly flat. It is slightly curved, but it's only two-dimensional so you get a two-dimensional image to your right eye and a two-dimensional image to your left eye whenever you see depth anytime in the world when you're driving your car on the freeway when you see depth you're hallucinating the depth the image at your eye is flat it's two-dimensional so it's up to you to create the three dimensions and there are people who can't do it I mean so there are some people who have trouble either with stereo vision or more motion depth for motion perception so it, it's a, a real accomplishment on your part so so it's, it's it's stunning to know that the volume that you see in the room around you right now is entirely hallucinated by you and you and you do it all the time And you just assume you're seeing the truth no you're making it up and and we really see this when we're trying to build computer vision systems for example to drive a car if you think about what is a computer vision system on a car doing it's going to have um at least with the passive vision systems there are lidar and other active vision systems but think about the passive vision systems in cars they're like video cameras and they're getting a flat image you might have a couple of video cameras and they're, they're getting flat images and those images are basically saying it's this color at this point and and this color at this point you have millions of numbers which just say here's the color and brightness at this point here's the color and brightness so you got all these colors and brightnesses okay Well, there's nothing about objects or cars or lanes or dividers and highways, nothing about that. You've got to, when you actually build a computer vision system, you have to write tons and tons of really difficult software to take the video image and turn it into, oh, there's a boy on a bicycle. I better stop my car because I'll hit him. So that's an incredible, you know. Construction on your part. And so when we actually do computer vision systems, all of a sudden you, it, it becomes real. This isn't just sort of philosophy. If you want a computer vision system that works, you've got to realize that you're constructing all the depth and all the objects and all the motion, everything you're constructing at all. It's not given. And
0: uh, can you pull up Top Two and uh, go through Professor's uh, books because they're all they're all so good and they're not hard to read. I, I thought at first they would be hard to read. That's why I was watching a lot, but they're not hard to read. So oh, that's great. And and to be able to explain something like this and be able to read it is, is pretty uh it's pretty good. So with the car thing, so you know, like they they always talk about the self driving cars. Uh, top two, yep. three, four. Yep. Uh, with the self driving cars. The only way that that would work without catastrophe would be as if the enti- every single car was a self-driving car, basically talk to each other, use that interface, because then it could predict what car A, B, C is going to do because they're all one, which is when we get to things with the universe as one. It's very similar.
1: Well, I, I would say that... that- that would be a probably an important step forward for us when we're trying to get self-driving cars, probably having them all communicate with each other would, would be the safest thing to do. Right. Right. When people are driving right now, right. We don't communicate with each other. It is each of us isolated, looking at all the others around us. We're, we're smart enough that that works most of the time, but we have accidents every day. So we're not smart enough to avoid all accidents. And, and, i think self-driving cars will get to the point where even without this connection between all the cars they'll individually be smart enough to actually outperform humans but but i i think that um, en route to that it would be perhaps wise to have cars uh, having like a a network among them so that that you in some sense know all the positions and and you mitigate the possibility of, of accidents and so forth absolutely
0: and uh Talk a little bit about this book here because I, I, I think this is this is my, my, my favorite one. How we create yes, what I, we see. You know, you know, summarize that a little bit in your words, which are much better than mine. <laughs> yeah. Well I let's face it. After a night with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. I have to make a choice. Either a great night or a great next day. That is until I found Z we all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste the day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. Zebiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Zebiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works: When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration. That's to blame for your rough next day. z produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it most. Just remember to drink z before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Order z now for your summertime barbecue, weddings, vacations, you name it. Go to zbiotics.com/mscsmedia or scan the QR code on the screen right now to get 15% off your first order when you use mscsmedia checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using my code, so you can stay prepared no matter the time or occasion. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee, so if you're ever unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money no questions asked. Remember. Head to zbiotics.com slash mscsmedia. Use the code mscsmedia at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But as I got older, started working out, I had to watch out for sugar and empty carbs. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you'll love, but high protein and less sugar. The variety pack, four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs, only 140 calories per serving. It's high protein, zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. The fruity one, I'm done for. I can eat the whole box, no problem. Go to magicspoon.com mscs to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use promo code MSCS at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That says something. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com MSCS and use the code MSCS to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode.
1: I wrote that book because I realized uh, this is came out in 1998, and I wrote it because I, I realized that in the field of vision science, everybody understood that that vision is not just seeing what's there. Vision is a construction process. You you see the moon? Well, that's because you're creating the moon visually. You're you're, you're carving your visual world and making a moon there you see a cat that's because you're creating the cat you're creating its shape the motion the texture of the fur you're, you're creating all of that so everybody who was actually working in computer vision and building computer vision systems knew this i mean because if you just put a camera out there it doesn't see anything it, it just gets colors it doesn't see objects and, and textures and so forth so you have to do all that work but i realized that everybody who's doing the research understands this and nobody just my casual friends had no idea and and they couldn't believe it so i realized okay this this is an important point and it's most people find it extremely difficult can i make this idea simple enough that everybody can get what's happening the revolution that's happening that's going to make self-driving cars possible so that's why i wrote this book here's roughly how vision works this is the the computation that's going on in your brain you have billions of neurons that are doing this. Why all those neurons? Well, it's not easy what you're doing. What you're doing is is not trivial. You're constructing your worlds and on the fly. And so in visual intelligence, I I, I don't just talk about it. I show you images, lots of images where you can see yourself, you catch yourself in the process of making stuff up. So that's why I wanted to show you're you're making this all up, but you're making it up in a very useful way. And so that's what the book is about.
0: And it isn't that amazing. Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Right, and and yes, and, yes. and and now it it comes to life more because, I, I guess because people you kind of can't deny it at some point if if you really get into it or people got over their ego a little bit.
2: I guess I just got a quick question. I'm 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 picking up here now. I'm starting start, start, start <laughs> to understand a little bit. Okay, so if I have this water bottle right now in front of me, right here it is, and I chuck it at Tommy. Okay, I throw it across the room and I hit him in the head with it. He feels, he gets hit though, right? He, You get hit with this. So how does this, how? Because my because that's my
0: perception. That's what I'm seeing. You're throwing it at me. I think you're throwing it at me. I think, professor, this is good because then, then you can correct us to the two peanuts over here. So you throw it at me, right? It hits me. Boom, ow. My, my, my computer says, Oh, you hit me out. And that's how I perceive it. Now, can you correct well, us on that one? <laughs> that,
1: that, that's right. And but I'll, I'll give you a, a metaphor that that may help because a lot of people, th- this might sound like a lot of philosophy, and we could just be making this stuff up and so forth. But here's a metaphor that may help you understand what we're saying. Suppose you're, you're playing Grand Theft Auto, well. virtual reality, and you have a headset on and you're immersed. And you see um in front of you you see a green portion you're trying to catch up to them okay. but but s- someone else who's playing notices that there is a a red ferrari behind you but i don't see it I, I don't see the red ferrari and the red ferrari comes up and smashes me from behind well so all of a sudden my car starts spinning and so forth well what's going on there i didn't see the red ferrari and it didn't exist for me and of course there's no red ferrari in the supercomputer right there's some supercomputer that's actually running the grand theft auto software So what's going on is the red Ferrari only exists when someone looks and renders it, right? When you turn your headset and see it, then there's a red Ferrari. But there's no red Ferrari in the computer. The supercomputer has no, if you look inside there, there's no red Ferraris. There's there's software and there's voltages and there's other stuff. So that's what I'm saying. There is a reality outside of us, and it will affect you even if you don't perceive it. But what you perceive is entirely your construction. Like when I see the red Ferrari, I create the red Ferrari in grand, in grand Theft Auto. And it doesn't exist until I perceive it. A lot of people say to me, yeah, Don, well, you think we're making this all stuff up, but if you get hit from behind by a car and you didn't see it, it'll still kill you. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean the car existed. It means there's some reality, but we only interpret that reality as a car. That's not the nature of the reality. It's far more complicated than that.
2: Uh, yeah, that may, I, I get that. Go to the uh, next book.
1: It's for our next slide.
0: Now, uh, the formal theory of perception, uh, Professor. Could you elaborate on this too? Th- it's just amazing. Ninety-eight, fourteen, and now, yeah. now it's like modern as can be.
1: Yeah. Now, this is not an easy book. Th- this is three hundred pages of mathematics. So, so oh, this wow. is. Um, um, this came out in nineteen eighty nine. Holy so shit! So this is. Yeah, this was this is, this is published. Um, so Bruce Bennett is the first author. He was uh, an algebraic geometer, a professor of mathematics and algebraic geometry. And Chaitan Prakash is a mathematical physicist. Um, and I'm, fl- I'm a flunky. I, I was the uh, flunky <laughs> in the group. Um, I, I was the vision scientist. And, and what we were doing was giving a theory back then in which consciousness is fundamental. We were trying to show that you could get a mathematical model in which consciousness is fundamental and gives rise to space and time. So that space and time are not the fundamental reality; they're just our headset. They're just a, a user interface, uh, and that consciousness is the is the fundamental thing. And and we're, I'm still working. Um, I've, I'm working right now on theories of consciousness that are our, um, offspring of of the mathematics in, in that book.
0: <clears throat> so what I what I wondered was, you know, it could be a little bit off. So they say we only use ten percent of our brain. Would it be possible that that other ninety percent is being used to create this interface because what else in the body doesn't get used? Most things in the body there's a purpose, there's a reason. Why would we only use ten percent of our brain or, or whatever it may be? What the other ninety percent is just hanging out?
1: Well, that's a great question because uh, it, it, lots of people think that they think that we we're only using a small fraction of our brain, and and the, the actual that actual question, which is was a quite popular question actually misunderstands how the brain works, right? When you think about how the brain works, it's really important not only what is active, but what's not active, like in a computer system. If you think about it, when you're computing something, you don't want all the registers to be active at once that that would, that would just be chaos. What you want is very selective parts at different times doing their little thing. If everything's active at once, then the whole thing falls apart. So you can see that even if you find that certain, when I do like an EEG, elect, you know, electroencephalogram of someone's brain to see the brain waves and so forth, you'll you'll find that you you don't want overactivity. You'll you'll end up having you know convulsions. <laughs> you'll 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 pass out. So you really want um there's a lot of the brain that's in, uh, neurotransmitters that are, that are there to inhibit activity. So th- because you don't want the thing to to um, blow up, you know, and go chaotic. So so really the, th- the way to think about it, but the second part of your question is, is spot on. There's a lot going on in the brain that, we're, that you're not aware of. And it's doing tons and tons of stuff that you just take for granted that's incredibly sophisticated. Um, so in, in some sense, y- your brain is working to 100% of the capacity in the way it's supposed to be working most most people's brains are working 100% capacity the way they're supposed to be working which means that some parts are quiet because they need to be quiet now for what you're doing now um, so you can see it's a, it's a little tricky
0: right so what 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 you're saying is in a sense when they say that 10% when they do that scan maybe at that particular point it's only using a 10% that it needs to use at that particular time like if exactly you're right. If we're on a computer and we're using Final Cut or Adobe, <clears throat> say we're running 10 different things at once, the fan goes on. Hmm. So at that time, okay. if we did a, a scan, it might be 80%. But if we're just laying there, it might be 10%. That,
1: that, that's right. Uh, and, and if you actually tried to run too many programs in the computer all at once, the thing might just collapse. <Yeah>. And that's what we don't. So, so the brain is very, very. In some sense, the trick with the brain is to be complicated enough to do these really important computations, but don't go over the edge and just go into complete chaos and overload. And 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 so that's we're always on a on a on a fine edge there. Actually,
0: I, I did my own little uh, case study. So I I I went through because I knew you were coming on. I remember I emailed you maybe a month ago about it. Yes. So I I you know I tried in my. You know, citizen terms over here, how to explain things. And the ones that people that I had talked to that had more of an open mind, uh, maybe just thought similar to the way I, I do, the, the same question always arises what about pain? Yes. You know, I, I would go through, which I want to go through slowly with you, you know, space, time, how consciousness and space, you know, fundamentally how that exists and doesn't exist. But even after I gave my spiel that somehow they kind of understood, they the same question out of 36 out of a 100, which means 36 out of 50 probably were listening, uh, was, well what about pain? So if you're in that That's interface right. and you feel pain, you know how do you explain That's that to Tommy?
1: Yeah, right. the, the, the implication is you know maybe I'm making up three-dimensional space. I'm making that but i'm not making a pain that that's that's real and it's right there i mean if you uh, have a pain in your hand if, if something's some a snake is bit bitten your hand and it hurts that's because there's a real hand with a real snake bite in it and it really does hurt and, and so that that seems to to be you know put the lie to everything i'm saying well <clears throat> there's an interesting phenomenon called phantom limb so there are unfortunate people um who have for example, in an accident, lost an entire arm. Yeah. And what's remarkable is that most of those people still feel that they have an arm. Hmm. They, they, it's called a phantom limb. So they will tell you that, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like I have a, an arm. And one of the most terrible things that these people suffer is phantom limb pain. For example, there was one guy who felt like his arm phantom limb he didn't his arm was gone but he felt like his arm was like this his phantom arm was like this all tightened up and he had muscle cramp because his arm so he had like a charlie horse a a cramp in his muscle and couldn't get rid of it and 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 there's nothing to do I mean you can't like if you have a real charlie horse in your arm right you you can stretch stretch your your arm out and wait but there's (laughs) nothing to stretch and and so it turns out that that um suicide is, is a serious issue for these people because they're having pains where's the pain they'll point to empty space it's right it's right there in empty space that's where the pain is well there's nothing there well, well clearly you're making that up you're 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 making up the pain and a, a friend of mine a, a brilliant um a cognitive scientist and and medical doctor uh v.s ramachandran we, we call his friends call him rama he's a professor at uc san diego actually figured out a way to help these people he he um would take a person he set up a set of mirrors um in a box so that when you could put your like your suppose you have a missing left arm but you have a right arm so he you could stick your right arm in this box and it would look like you had a a left arm so you, you would see a left arm then he said now i want you to um pretend like you're conducting an orchestra where you're sort of you know at least at my level of orchestration they're just (laughs) going going like this right (laughs) I'm sure a a real one is better but but it worked for these people because they got the visual input I mean they were trying to move their left hand but there is no no left hand but they got the visual input that it was working and so all of a sudden it 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 sort of connected them to their Phantom and they were able to get rid of the Phantom and, and the Phantom pain so, so it, it actually worked to get rid of the of the cramping in, mm-hmm. in this one poor guy's arm and so w- when it worked he begged rama if he could take the the um the, the device home and, and it was you know just a box with some mirrors it was pretty cheap so he said sure take it home and so he he worked on it for a couple of weeks and uh rama says that he, the guy got back to him i think a couple of weeks later and said you won't believe what happened i mean i i continue to do this and it really helped but then today i woke up and i don't have a phantom arm anymore it's all gone
0: isn't so so so
1: so, so the pain thing is also something that you make up and so now now take it to the next step you make up your whole body I, I I talked a minute ago about having a real arm as opposed to a phantom that was just a figure of speech what I really believe is your body itself is something that you construct on the fly and it only exists when you look and when you perceive it
2: what what happens though okay i'm born blind i have no sight from birth and yes. so i don't know what things are like you could say the sun and i don't know what the sun is because i can't visually see it but man is it fucking hot that sun it's beaten down on me i can feel the heat but i don't know what it looks like i don't know how does that work when you're when you're blind
1: right well it turns out that um heat itself the, the experience of heat um happens in these phantom arms so you can have the sense of hot and cold in the phantom arms and <clears throat> in, in so again the, the even so it's it doesn't matter whether you see because you, the arm isn't even there so you can look there and there's nothing there and you're feeling so where does it feel hot well you point to empty space. it feels hot right there on my phantom hand right there and and rama did this other wonderful experiment where it, it turns out that um, there are some maps on on the stump. It turns out you can stimulate certain parts of the stump in, in many people, uh, and also on their face, and you will get um, a feeling of sensation in empty space on the phantom arm. And so what Rama did was he, he found a map on the face and a map on the, on the stump of the arm and and he found a place where it was like it, it was your your middle finger and so then he said okay i'll make the middle finger cold on the face and i'll make it hot on the arm and what what will the person feel and what the person feels is they say oh it feels cold oh now it feels hot and it would flip back and forth like like the the cube that you saw sometimes you see it one way then it flips and goes the other way mm-hmm. so with with the with the hot and cold it'll it'll go hot and then it'll flip to cold so, so once again, you see that we're making up even the experience of hot and cold, of heat.
0: I was just going to say, and to make clear, we're talking about a middle finger that doesn't exist. It's gone. exactly, And exactly. like, you know, it's hard because you're not here, which too bad you're not flown in here. It'd be a lot easier to do this. But, you know, my, my arm's here and it's cut off. Let's just say it got chopped off, some girl that hates me. And now I have no arm. <laughs> but you pinch here. And I can feel it on a finger I don't have, just to make it very simple and clear. Which then goes back to where we started, of this interface.
1: Exactly right. That you're you're creating all this stuff on the fly as as you need. Uh, One fun example of this, again, I think that Rama um, has is that he was using a Q-tip with a little bit of water to you know experienced the hot and cold so he touched the the map on the face and he wanted to see what does it feel like on your arm and and so and so he touched and he was getting the map of, of okay this part corresponds to the thumb that part corresponds to the middle finger that's the forearm and so forth so he's getting a map but at one point he put some uh q-tip with like cold water on it and and the water started dripping down the face and the guy said oh i can feel the water and and he said just pointing there goes through empty space it's dripping down my phantom arm and and so once again you're 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 making all this stuff up you're 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 but it's not just when the arm is cut off even when you have quote unquote a real arm what you're doing is you're making it all up on the fly you have a hand when you look and when you don't look you don't have a hand
0: and when we say empty space we're meaning something that isn't there and i I just say this because my People that watch are from 18, you know, the gender thing is from 18 to 60. So when we say empty space, it's not there. That's what we're referring to, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly right. If you look there, there's nothing there. The person is pointing to nothing and saying, that's where I feel it on my hand. Or right there is where I have a cramp. And it's so bad that I'm feeling like committing suicide. And there's nothing there. They're pointing to nothing. And that's what's hurting them.
0: So... Then the next thing that, that is always a popular thing and I thought deja vu and I, I've heard you speak many times on that. I think you did it at a TED talk you even brought it up. I could be wrong I mean, one of your talks. Okay. And I always go back and forth with this, but I'm, I'm with this. I'm with the interface. but for a minute there I was with uh, I was really into who got I forget which astrophysics it doesn't matter uh, the dimension thing. So I thought, and maybe I'm wrong. I want you to tell me. So I thought when I go to a beach that I was never at, and I can smell the sand, the ocean, everything else, I had thought that a frequency from another dimension had crossed at the wrong time at the wrong place, and that's why I thought I was there. That's why I could smell what I could smell. Uh, Another example is I'm thinking of Rob, and then Rob calls me. But then, when I look further into your writings and everything else, it seems more to me like the deja vu part, at least, where I think I was somewhere I'm not, or I think I've eaten that before, but I didn't. It goes back to the interface like a computer, where it's just a glitch. Like when they put out betas, you know, beta one, two, three, four, there's always glitches. So the brain would be no different in that aspect. So when I have deja vu, the brain's just making me think I was there because it's just a, a wire crossed.
1: Th- that's right. So when people have these kinds of experiences, I mean, there there are different kinds of ex- explanations you might want to try to give. There's something supernatural beyond what we know. And, and I don't want to dismiss those, but as a scientist, I always try to go with the the, the simplest explanation, the most likely explanation and and the one you gave is is more likely that that basically, if you think about you're constructing everything that you see and and you're you're fallible in the process, then yeah, you're gonna make mistakes every once in a while um and 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 that's that's more likely now I'm not saying that things beyond space time aren't possible and so forth, but i'm I'm just saying it, we should um. Try out the more routine explanations first before we go to the more exotic explanations.
0: But what do you think? Do you think it's just the wire crossed at this point? I think most
1: of it I think most of them probably are, but I I but there could be a small I don't dismiss the possibility that there could be some genuine because I don't think space-time is fundamental. Right. Uh, I think that there's a, a reality farm far beyond that space-time, and spacetime is a very simple projection of a much deeper reality. But but on the other hand, I think that projection itself is fairly systematic. And and so what we we don't really need to, to think about things beyond space time and beyond current physics, we don't really need to have mysteries that, that are that are unexplainable, we we could have theories that are systematic beyond space time. So even there, I'm going to suspect that that the reality beyond space time normally affects us the way we perceive right now. That's the way it, that's the way it affects us. We, we don't need to, to um, to, to say that, that something really weird is going on, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime day or night so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises the process is simple sign up at bluechew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers and once you're approved you'll receive your prescription within days the best part it's all done online so no visits to the doctor's office aqua conversations waiting in line at the pharmacy bluetooth tablets are made in the usa and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Does it work? Don't think you need it? Try it free for a month and see. You're going to love it. You could be missing the best sex of your life. They say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue can help give you the confidence where it counts. Blue wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at Blue Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use the promo code MSCS at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code MSCS to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Bluechew for sponsoring the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss. You name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscs media and get 25 percent off your test using the code mscs media the link is in the description at the top and then uh, another thing is the space time and the consciousness right and that that's something big that that you're on and how hmm. could how could if if our conscience consciousness is creating these things wouldn't, wouldn't the conscience have to be there before the space time? It would have to be right because you would have to be able to project a in space time, or drive that backwards.
1: Well, uh, I would agree with you, but I think most of my colleagues and most physicists would disagree, right? So, so, I'll, so I'll try to sort th- sort this out. Um, most. Of my colleagues in the neurosciences, I would say 95 to 99 percent of them who are studying consciousness would absolutely say that consciousness is produced by the brain or by sufficiently complex systems that have the right programming of some kind, the right functional properties. I would say 99 percent of my colleagues are, are of that. I mean, these are good friends, and and uh, you know they smile at me and and, and but but you know um, that that's what they're doing. Now, that's the standard view. But I think that that it won't work. um, And it hasn't worked so far. So one of the things that when I'm at conferences, I and I'm with these, my friends uh, on stage, uh, and they have theories like, for example, uh, Stuart Hameroff and Roger Penrose have the theory that the neuronal microtubules have these special quantum states and if you have the right orchestrated collapse of these quantum states of neuronal microtubules um that somehow gives rise to conscious experience and <clears throat> That's what so I was talking you about. know i will say to Stuart, i have one stage so Stuart, great give me one so what is the orchestrated collapse of my quantum states of neuronal microtubules that must be the taste of chocolate or that must be the smell of vanilla or whatever it might be whatever you want can you give me one i just want one example where you say that orchestrated collapse must be that experience and they can't give a single one and you can do that for every single person every single theory and say okay integrated information theory okay great what q shape what integrated information pattern must be again you know the smell of of a violet perfume or whatever and they can't give you a single one not one
0: and professor so, not, not, to interrupt you, not to interrupt you but could you ex like i know from reading but i won't say it right Can you explain that again? How they can't prove that in a simple way, the simplest way possible.
1: Well, well, when I just ask them, they they'll say, "Okay, here's this mathematics. Mm. I like orchestrated collapse. This is what causes consciousness, or integrated information. This pattern. This is what causes consciousness." I say, "Oh, really? That's your theory? Okay, interesting. So, well, give me one. So, so, what is the pattern?" That must be, you know, the taste of a taco, or or yeah, you, you know, hot yeah. sauce, or salt. Just get. I mean, I mean, we're we're doing science here. You're trying to explain stuff. What can you explain? It turns out, no specific conscious experience. At all. They cannot explain one specific conscious experience, and and this has led Steven Pinker, um, who's mm-hmm. a, a a brilliant cognitive scientist and linguist, and um, and. He he has a book called Enlightenment Now. It came out I think twenty eighteen, and in that book he 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 notes what I've just said that, that they're not getting any specific conscious experiences, and he says we may just have to stipulate it. The, you know the the step where we go from here's this pattern of brain activity to here's the conscious experience. We may just have to stipulate that, and you know hats off to Pinker. He I mean he he he's facing the fact that we've utterly failed to go from one and have it explain the other. And so, so my attitude is um, the reason they're failing is that it's false. Brains do not create our experiences. In fact, our experiences create space and time and things that we call call brains. And ultimately, my, my colleagues will, will have to change how they're doing their study of consciousness and, and take consciousness as more fundamental than space-time now in in that sense what you were saying in your question makes a lot of sense think about again the metaverse and and you putting on a headset and being immersed again in grand theft auto well you you have an avatar in grand theft auto right you can see your avatar you can see your hands on the steering wheel and so forth and others can see your are you your avatar no the avatar is Something that you see in your where do where you say in your experience. You, you experience that avatar. But the avat- when you look away from your hands, you're looking over out the window, and you no longer see your hands on the steering wheel, you don't have hands, right? In that, in the metaverse, you have no hands until you look back and see them and render them. Then you have hands. I'm saying that what's true in the metaverse, which is what you were saying, is like so it must be that this is all in our consciousness. Absolutely. And the metaverse really helps you to see it when I when I look out the window, I'm not rendering hands of my avatar. And therefore, I don't have avatar hands, they don't exist. But when I do look, then I render them and there they are. And I'm saying the same thing is true right now of your body and your brain. It's there when you're so right now, I have no brain. And a a lot of my colleagues might heartily agree. Yeah, Hoffman has no brain. (laughs) 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 saying here. He has no brain. But I'm saying so Hoffman has no brain. But if you actually did a scan, in the moment of doing the scan you would image neurons and therefore they would exist because you're rendering them just like in the metaverse when you look you render when you don't look you don't render and it's not there so neurons are there when you render them and otherwise they're not there so we have it backwards we've assumed that the neurons are there and they render our conscious experiences and it's the other way around and and you you mentioned the the issue of space-time Physicists, of course, this is their area. And you might say, well, look, you know, Hoffman's just some cognitive scientist. This is not his domain. Space time, that's the the turf of physicists, and, and surely um they will put this cognitive scientist in his place. But it's the it's I'm actually following the high energy theoretical physicists. They're the ones that are saying, based on quantum field theory and gravity, space time is doomed space-time which we've assumed is fundamental since New- since einstein and before that space and time with with newton we assume space and time separately were fundamental that whole framework they say is doomed and, and in mean, so who is saying this like david gross who won the nobel prize for his work on um the strong force oh yeah neymar khani hamed who's at the institute for advanced study at princeton um, andrew strominger um oh stronger yeah strong yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so and uh there's several others um uh ed witness said this and uh nathan seiberg so i mean the, so there it's it, the but it's most physicists by the way don't understand this this is a particular small branch called high energy theoretical physics these are the guys that are that are looking at the very highest energies where you're probing the smallest and smallest parts of space time and there you you realize uh, space time ceases to even have any meaning at 10 to the minus 33 centimeters what they call the Planck scale space time actually has no operational meaning and so this is the small branch of physics high energy theoretical physics where you're 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 faced every day with this limit of space time and you realize oh this this space-time which we have always assumed is the fundamental reality is just a construct it's just a a perceptual and in this case theoretical construct and they're looking for new deeper mathematics beyond space-time so they're literally they're not looking for necessarily like structures that are curled up inside space-time like in string theory right there's all these little hidden dimensions they're looking for structures utterly Beyond space time, outside of space time, and and people go how how could anything possibly be outside space time? Space time is all there is, and the answer is space. From now now, I'm not going to blame the physicist for what I'm about to say. So now th- now, this is just Hoffman saying his own stuff. Space time is just our headset. If you've worn a headset all the time, it's hard. You, you, it's easy to see why you would think that's all there is. Until someone says comes Hoffman, I'm going to take the headset off and go. Whoa! Yeah, I'm no longer in Grand Theft Auto. What but- What is this around me? This, is- so, so that's in the sense that what I'm saying that the now I'm going back to the physicists. Now, so I don't blame them for what I just said, but now I'll go back to what they're saying. The physicists are saying there are these structures like something called decorated permutations that are beyond spacetime. Something called the amplitude and cosmological. Poly- there, there, there are these structures that are utterly and completely outside of spacetime. They're beyond space-time and they're beyond quantum theory. So this is not just saying that we'll use quantum theory to create space-time, which many physicists are trying to do. They're saying the whole ball of wax, space-time and quantum theory, emerges from something entirely outside of it, deeper, deeper. And there are, there is no quantum theory. There, are, there are no what they call Hilbert spaces there. So you can't have any quantum quantum theory there. I, th- I so think you're starting
0: to get to Michi. I think, I think you're starting to get to Michi. You know, Cuc- I can never say his last name right. Cuckoo. Yeah. You know, I I call him Cuckoo any last name.
2: Yeah, it's I don't know how to say it. But Michio. Oh, oh, uh, Michio. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, String right, Michio, Theory. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The, he, the very famous physicist.
0: right? Yeah, he, he goes like this when I call him, when I say his name wrong. But I think you're getting to him. I think you're getting to him a little bit with the String Theory.
1: Yeah, I, I, I suspect that he would um, disagree with me quite a bit. I mean, he, he, I think he likes the String Theory, right? Breaking uh, a
0: tiny, tiny bit. Yeah, well, he loves the, the String Theory, yeah. And, you know, it's sad because... Not just him and, you know, he's a great guy and the rest of them, but it's almost like some of these physicists, not all, and for whatever reason, they write down something or they come up with something or they combine something together, they put it on paper and and this is it, Mm -hmm. period. We're not changing it, this is it. Mm -hmm. Even if you come, even if whoever walks in the door and says, no, it's wrong, no, this is right. And when you have that, it's tough to progress,
1: right and and i think that the if you a, a physicist is in this interesting position i think most physicists aren't that dogmatic right yeah. I mean, but but when they're trying to when when people who are not physicists come in and, and have their their idea about how it really works
0: yeah
1: it's, it's it's again like someone with a pair of binoculars trying to to you know to tell someone with the James Webb telescope what's what the, what's really out there it, you might be smarter than all the the professionals you may be more but you you don't have a chance if you if you don't know all this you just don't have a chance to. so so most physicists i would say understand and, and are very explicit that what we call the standard model of physics it first it's a brilliant accomplishment and it's 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 been thousands and thousands of researchers untold hours of experiment and theory the most brilliant minds working on it it's it's an incredible accomplishment hats off it's 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 one of the greatest things humanity's ever done is the standard model of physics and yet the real pros will tell you it's not the final word and they will tell you all the problems that 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 we need to to deal with on the standard model so the real pros will they know right we, we for example we have to put the masses in by hand well gee we would like a deeper theory where we don't have to put the masses in by hand and some other other parameters so the real the real most genuine scientists would admit that we'll never get a theory of everything when we talk about a theory of everything it's with a wink and a nod Mm-hmm. it's it's a theory of everything that we've been able to experiment and theorize about so far but I think most would really say that when you look back at the history of science and, and, and human thought it's it we are dogmatic we, we thought the earth was flat <laughs> we thought when we let go of that it was hard but we let go of it then we thought the earth even though it was round is the center of the universe and we killed people over that. I mean, we we burned people <laughs> at the stake over that, right? We're, we're, we're talking about dogmatic. You know, that's, that's that's So so there there is that tendency to be dogmatic within the human mind. The thing about science and mathematics is a good scientific theory is is great simply because partly because the mathematics tells you the limits of your theory like Einstein's mathematics, mm-hmm. the relativity theory, yeah. together with quantum field theory, which are based, they're both based on space-time. Both assume space-time is the fundamental starting point. Base. Yeah. And then they come back, and the mathematics tells you that foundation breaks, is no longer functional, Not no handling, 10 to the minus 33 centimeters, 10 to the minus 43 seconds, it's all over for space-time. There's no functional meaning to it. Time to look for a deeper framework. Now, that is the antidote to dogmatism. So, the best scientists understand that what we have is the best theory of everything we know so far. So, that's our, our theory of everything is the theory of everything that we know so far. But of course, the next generation, um, we don't want to look like fools to the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> they thought they knew it all. Those really? <laughs> no stupid uh-huh. dudes back in 2023, they thought they, no. We, In 1890 there were some physicists who were telling bright students not to go into physics because it was they thought it was pretty much done well we look back and we realized that in some sense the biggest discoveries hadn't been made we didn't know about relativity theory special and general relativity we didn't know about quantum theory they only knew Newton so we look back and we we realize how, how could they possibly have been so dumb well we don't want to make the same mistake so Our standard model of quantum, you know, of of physics, standard model of physics, string theory, whatever we have right now, is just our best theory that we have so far. And we'd be fools to think that this is the end. And that would also stymie any creative research, right? We should assume that we've missed big stuff. We should just assume that we've, and be looking for it. And the best scientists, of course, usually what happens though is, is, I think it was, Max Planck, who said, science progresses one funeral at a time.
0: (laughs) One guy gets out of the way.
1: (laughs) So what happens is that the the old guys keep their you know, keep their theories until they die. (laughs) And it's the next generation. But so so science as a social institution is not dogmatic. But the old guys die with their theories. (laughs) Yes, they do.
0: And and that's with everything too. (laughs) But you know, without Einstein, you wouldn't be if, if you didn't have that work. You wouldn't be able to take it and prove it right or wrong. You know, you know what I mean. So I mean, it's other way. But what always catches me is, is when they say, or like like you say a lot, is that space time was prior to consciousness. And I just like to lay the base simple. You have to have consciousness to create the space time because it, with the consciousness is what's creating the space time in this interface so with that that, sentence right there
1: it's dead that that's that's the proposal now again i i i don't i want to be very clear that that's not the standard belief among cognitive neuroscientists or among physicists right that that's not the standard belief that's far from the standard belief but i'm proposing that that's where we're going to have to go
0: well no one has been able to prove you wrong with anything yet
1: And I'm having fun discussions. I'll be having a fun discussion with several physicists in just another couple months, um, you know, about this kind of thing.
0: Now, when it comes to physics and evolution and space time and all that, I look at it like this could be completely off. You know, you have the pyramids, you know, these big pyramids all over the place. Now, that creates a building block of history. You have this that happened. You have this. So now in this interface, you have all these interesting things that create a story. You know, a story of how we became, what happened before, the dinosaurs, so on and so forth. How does that all mix in with space-time, evolution, physics, and the fact that it's not fundamental when referring to space-time? And that would be, again, because you would need that consciousness... To project, however many years ago, in the interface, that there was dinosaurs, that there was these big, huge pyramids that we think we see, but are they really there? Like, are they? Is there really ninety of them there? Are they really there, or is that just part of the history that we've built in our interface so that things make more sense?
1: Right. So. So of course, the pyramids exist when you render them, and they don't exist until then. So think, again, the metaverse, when you when you look, you see the the red Ferrari. And when you don't look, it's not there because you're not right. rendering it. But but when we look, what makes sense is a story in which there's this history of time in right. which there were Egyptians, thousands of them that you that say so
0: much better than me. That's <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: go ahead. No, it's a great question. And 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 so So we we make it. it Just seems obvious that we should talk about you know something that happened several thousand years ago, and 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 some pharaoh, you know, getting thousands of his people to cut these stones and move them, and all all this hard work, and that's why we see this. And so the question really is, what about this whole thing of time? You're saying space time isn't fundamental, but boy, time sure does seem fundamental, and uh, you know. Are you saying that we're just making all this up? Well, it, it turns out when you do this mathematical model of consciousness that I'm working on, so we have uh, my colleague uh, Chaitan Prakash and and, and others that I'm, I've been working with. Prakash
0: is a monster. He's a monster.
1: Prakash is a, is, is a mathematical, he's, he's a heavyweight, you know, yeah, mathematical, he, heavyweight.
0: He's like Mike Tyson of math.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. Without without Chaitan, um, I wouldn't have the mathematical power to do this stuff at, at all. So it's 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 a it's a wonderful collaboration. We've been collaborating for around thirty five years. Um, wow!
0: Congratulations.
1: Yeah, he was an author on that that book from nineteen eighty nine. So it's been a while. Um, <laughs> so 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 on the mathematics that we're doing now of these of, of consciousness. So we're we're not just saying that there's consciousness beyond space time. We're we're proposing a mathematical model. And of course we're we're not right. We're we're just getting the next model and we'll we'll try to find out its limits. So in this model it's something called a Markovian dynamics, and it turns out we can make a dynamics of consciousness, consciousness, that doesn't have an arrow of time. So it's dynamical, but but the the so-called entropy, you know, the thing entropy is like everything runs down, like mm-hmm. So everybody's probably heard about the second law of thermodynamics that things fall apart, right? right. Um, if you unplug your refrigerator, it gets warm. So you have to put in energy to keep it cold because it's colder than the surrounding. So, and if you have a hot cup of coffee, it gets cold, and, and so forth. So that's that's entropy. And so time, as we think about time, is intimately connected in space-time with entropy. Um, they're they're deeply connected. Well, it turns out we can do a dynamics of consciousness in which there is no entropic time, but it's, it's a theorem. It's a very simple theorem that if you take this big dynamics and you project it onto a smaller dynamics, so it's a project, it's a big dynamics and you're seeing a smaller projection of it, a smaller version of it by conditional probability. It's a theorem that the smaller dynamics that you see will necessarily have an arrow of time as an artifact of the fact that you lost information so what i'm saying then is our space time is just our headset it's a projection of a deeper dynamics in which there is no time we perceive a time but that time that we perceive is not an insight into reality it's entirely an artifact of partial information it's the fact that we have partial information that forces us to see an arrow of time and to see things falling apart. So that's, that's the deeper story. So there's a deeper framework in which space and time are not fundamental and in which there is no entropic arrow of time. But when we put on a headset that loses information, we necessarily see an arrow of time. And by the way, that then leads to evolution by natural selection. So I think of ev- so I, I've done a lot of work on evolution by natural selection and, and showing that that if you take evolution um, on its own terms and use evolutionary game theory to ask, are we seeing the truth? Or you know, I see space and time and physical objects. What's the probability on evolutionary grounds that we would evolve to to see the truth or some aspects of the?
0: Isn't truth? that game theory a headache for you? That's got to be a headache. Because there's so many different. I mean, just from my perspective and the studies I've done, there's ten thousand different ways you could describe game theory. You know, and a funny thing is, Metaverse actually put that in their policy. There, there's a, there's a paragraph about uh game theory. I, I can't wait to tell you that yeah. they really did. Yeah,
1: yeah very, very interesting. Well, well, yeah, game theory is a very serious branch of mathematics. You know, it's not all fun and games. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's 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 tough tough mathematics. John Maynard Smith in the 1970s was the mathematician who, who basically used the mathematics of game theory and Darwin's ideas to create what we call evolutionary game theory, and those are the tools that Chayton and I and and uh, and some others, uh, Justin Mark and Brian Marion, some graduate students that work with us, um, and others uh, have worked on. And what we showed was uh, the probability is zero according to evolution of natural selection. The probability is zero precisely zero, that any organism has ever had any sensory system, vision, touch, taste, or smell, that has ever given them any hint of the true nature of objective reality. Probably zero, according to evolution by natural selection.
0: And real quick, uh, explain uh, game theory one more time. Just explain that one more time. Somebody listening can, or watching can understand.
1: Right. So, so So game theory is very much like, think about a, a game that you're playing with someone else, right? If you're playing a game, um, and you're trying to win. Well, there's there's rules of the game, and and you can have different strategies. If I take this strategy, uh, like in Grand Theft Auto, you know, maybe I, what I'm trying to do is ram your car from behind, or or maybe I try to shoot your tire out. I mean, you, there's different strategies and, you. that you can take, and 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 so different people with different strategies. will, and you and you see which which strategy wins, and and sometimes a strategy will you know maybe shooting out the tires will work against some other strategies, but it won't work against others, right? So it, it, it one strategy may not be the end all and be all and it, it works sometimes and then someone else gets a strategy that takes you down. So evolution is a game in the following sense, you have all Thank these you. organisms that are that are that are competing to get food, for example, and to reproduce. And so the so the question is, you know, in, in evolution, the way you win the game is having more kids. Having more offspring that's that's how you win you stay alive long enough to have more kids that instead of going to you don't go to the next level your kids go to the next level of the game right so that's so that's the sense in which you can think about evolutionary game theory so I means so for example i might have a strategy um for for having offspring where like i'm a, a human being and i only have one or two kids but i give them a lot of attention and a lot of care and i try to just bring one or two kids to maturity so they'll be able to have kids or i could be like a spider and a spider might have you know i might have you know several hundred kids and i might eat a few of them because i'm hungry so I, I eat a few of my kids <sighs> and, I, and I, I just throw them out to the wind but but my strategy is you know i have my kids i eat a few of them i leave them i abandon them but i had so many of them that it'll work There'll be some of them that survive. The ones I didn't eat, then my friends didn't eat, then the other things didn't eat. They'll survive, they'll they'll grow up. So you can see there's completely different strategies. And and so evolutionary game theory is A- saying, excellent okay, yeah, job, well, by the way. Right. Excellent. excellent job, yeah. and, and what works. Right? Excellent
0: job of explaining that.
1: And so so it's all mathematics. And so we can we can use that mathematics to ask the technical question: what is the probability that any sensory system, vision, touch, smell, whatever of any organism humans snakes spiders whatever has ever been shaped to see any aspect of the truth of objective reality that's the question we asked and the answer is zero precisely zero in other words evolution tells us what you're seeing is a headset it's just a headset it's none of it's the truth evolution shapes sensory systems to keep you alive long enough to reproduce period period not to yeah. see the truth in other words from the game theoretic point of view like grand theft auto you've got a headset that tells you what you need to know to win the game or to play the game at least you don't need to know about the diodes and resistors and the software and the supercomputer that's running the game right if you're if you had to toggle voltages in the su- supercomputer to play grand theft auto you would lose against someone who didn't know about that and was just turning a steering wheel and pushing on the gas <laughs> right. you would lose and that's what evolution has done you don't need to know about the nuts and bolts about reality forget about it you need to have steering wheels and gas pedals mm. to play the game of life and so you're not going to see the truth you've got a headset and that's so it's a theorem of evolution by natural selection that that's the case but evolution doesn't tell you what's outside the headset it can't tell you it can just tell you what you're seeing is a headset so you have to now take this big step and so we're we're saying okay evolution said it's a headset it's just it's just a headset we're going to propose that there is this realm of conscious agents outside and we have to then show how the headset arises as a special case well this theorem is one 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 aspect of it right we have this dynamics of conscious agents in which there is no arrow of time But when you take any projection of it any headset view you get an arrow of time and so time now go back to evolution time is the fundamental limited resource right if you don't get your food in time you die if you don't mate in time you don't have offspring if i don't get my drink of water in time i die of thirst if i don't get my next breath of air in time i'm dead so time is the deepest and most fun, and time is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Time is an artifact of limited information, and so are other all the other limited resources, and so is the whole thing about com- competition itself. May be an artifact of the projection and not a deep insight into our true nature. So, so, so y- th- this is the way science works. Is Evolution by natural selection is a beautiful theory, and it's so beautiful and so powerful, it tells you its limits. It says the very concepts of this theory of physical organisms in space and time competing for physical resources like food and water and mates in space and time. That very framework is not fundamental, it's just a headset. It's It's precise enough to tell you that this theory itself is at best a headset, but it can't tell you what's beyond. And that's what's good about scientific theories, is they're mathematically precise, and they tell you their limits. Every theory, every scientific theory, has a limit. There is no scientific theory of everything. The only question is, have we actually gotten smart enough yet to figure out the limits of this theory? if if we haven't found the limits that means we're not clever enough we're not smart enough or the theory itself is not good enough to tell us what its limits are in which case we need a better theory but every scientific theory is just well every theory has its own assumptions right every theory says if you let me assume this like Einstein he said let's assume that there's something that we will call space and time and let's assume that the speed of light is the same for all viewers in time and space. So the speed of light is, it, it is always the same. So we're going to make that assumption. And we're going to assume that the laws of physics um, are always the same if you're always moving at a constant speed. So it said, if you grab me all those assumptions, then all this miraculous stuff comes out. You know, the whole theory of special relativity, later general relativity com- comes out from, from a few assumptions. But that's, the assumptions are so precise that later on we can say, now using those assumptions, we realize that the very notion of space and time itself falls apart at 10 to the minus 33 centimeters. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful theory where a genius takes his or her ideas, makes them mathematically precise, and then finds the limits. For, first, the power. I mean, GPS is based on, you know, yeah. needs Einstein's <laughs> theory of gravity. Without Einstein's theory of gravity, we, we couldn't have GPS. So it it has incredible power and scope but it also necessarily will have its own limits. So every scientific theory that's a good theory, there's mo- most theories are bogus. But every every you know there's a very very small number of theories that are great. But they're always going to have their own limits. And those theories will tell us something new that will often give us new technology and you know make our lives better or or in the case of you know mm. nuclear bombs mm. more dangerous. <laughs> 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 but but eventually they will a good theory will tell you its limits. and this is the antidote for dogmatism right, right. And this is this is by the way, where I'm very interested in science and, and spirituality interacting, right Because spirituality has been saying for a long time space and time is not fundamental. Yeah, all the way back. Consciousness of some kind is it, right Consciousness of some kind is fundamental, but they haven't had the mathematical precision that science has. And so it's very easy. For someone to have a deep insight and to say these things and then for the followers to turn it into a religion and a dogmatism and and then and then so and then you end up fighting and, and so forth mm-hmm. and, and and the language of the spiritual traditions is not precise enough for you to find out what the limits of your concepts are and so that's why i'm, I'm really excited going forward to have science and spirituality interact i think there are many insights in the spiritual spiritual traditions mm-hmm and there's probably a lot of stuff that's bogus just like in science a lot of insights and a lot of stuff that will that turns out to be you know bogus and and that we transcend the only question is can we bring the beautiful precision that we get in in mathematics in in science to the questions in spirituality not that we're going to get the final word again we never get the final theory of everything but at least we get theories where we understand the limits of our theories spiritual traditions will say our words are just pointers don't just don't don't look at the finger that's pointing look to where it's pointing you know the, so the words so the good traditions will say that you know, don't take these words too literally but it's 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 easier when the the theory itself says this theory falls apart at 10 to the minus 33 centimeters to, to, for you to go, okay, yeah, that theory isn't the final word because it falls apart at 10 to the minus 33 centimeters. Okay, I need to look for something deeper. That's what I want in the spiritual traditions where we literally have, we understand spiritual things in a more precise way, not that we can finally package them into a little packets and say, that's the final word about it. No, 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 that that misses the whole point. Is to say, here's our, our best description so far, and here are the limits of that description. And now, then, what can we do for our next step?
0: It. Right, and then pass it, or keep working on it until you do pass it. But that that makes total sense. So, so w- when it comes to the evolution, you have, in my opinion, you have to be right because you build this framework and in interface. And in that framework, in the interface, your whole objective before, if you think about before all this materialistic, nutty stuff has happened, the only purpose in life was to reproduce, whether you're human, right? Whether you're an ant, whether you're, I can never remember that animal that uh, they put them out here in Florida and just a little bit off topic, but they put wolves wherever this... Was it a fucking coyote? Don't, yeah, don't it's really. driving me crazy. It was, it was some type <laughs> of animal that had babies. So they put these wolves... They, they released these wolves. And the animal would have four pups at a time. But when the wolves were released, they kept eating the pups. So the mom would have 20 at a clip. Yeah. And now they're all over the place. Just, just wow. by natural... By evolution, right? So going back to what you're saying, reproduction is the whole thing. But that's in the interface. And if it has a limit, then you're not breaking out of the interface that we're in, right? If there's a limit, we're not breaking the interface.
1: That's right. So within the game of evolution, the, the only way you win is reproductive success. Absolutely. That, 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 that's, but um, you're right that we're not stuck with that game. And we can think outside of that interface completely. And and science allows us to do that, and we can write down mathematical models that are beyond space, time, and beyond evolution, and then show how how everything that we see in, inside evolution is, in some sense, a trivial projection of a much deeper and richer framework in which maybe there aren't, in, in which reproduction is not the goal, in which fighting for resources is is not what's really going on. That is just your limited perception.
0: So. When, when we talk about interface, I'm talking to you right now. You're on a monitor, unfortunately. I hate Zoom more than anything on this planet. Uh, Rob <laughs> is sitting there, and in my interface, I'm talking to Rob. And in mine, he's talking back to me. I'm talking to you. You're talking back to me. Now, if I'm walking down the street, and I see a homeless guy, and he's talking to the wall or to uh, whoever. He's just talking to somebody that I don't see. Whether he's on drugs or not, take that part away. Is that similar? Because in my interface, I'm talking you. I'm talking to Rob. But Rob might not even be there. You might not even be there. It's just what I'm projecting in my interface. Just like that guy who thinks he's talking to somebody isn't there, but he's having a full-blown conversation with nothing.
1: That, that's right. Uh, and, and there are patients that that maybe have not been drinking or they're not homeless and so forth but just have some kind of brain tumor or or some kind of stroke that will will have similar kinds of things where they they hallucinate um people they hallucinate animals they hallucinate conversations and and this really taps into something we were talking about earlier which is at the very very start in fact we're we're constructing everything that we perceive right where you're 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 the first year and a half of your life you you are building up your visual construction of the world you you have to wire yourself up so now i'll, now I'll use the anatomical and brain language for the moment right even though i don't think it's fundamentally the final language i'll use that language now so your your nervous system is wiring up you, you make a lot of synapses you're, you're making a lot of connections and the the visual information and your interaction with the world and your experience of your hands and so forth is helping you to to wire up a an interface uh, but you're constructing it and so it's no surprise that it, it doesn't take a big tweak to actually have the construction go wrong and you're seeing stuff that that that's not useful that that is is not helpful um that doesn't work and that's what we say. It's not really there. So we'll say, you know, so the guy's talking to the wall. You talk about the homeless guy he's talking to the wall. He might actually be experiencing some person there, for example. And that's not that that's not useful. It's 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 like um, in Grand Theft Auto, you know, thinking that your steering wheel is is the brake. Well, that's 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 I mean. That's not going to be a helpful thing to play the game of Grand Theft Auto. And so so that's that's I. It happens a lot and unfortunately there are there are various kinds of ways that that you can hallucinate things or or fail to or fail to recognize that 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 things have gone wrong there's something um called anosognosia where a person might have um say a a stroke in the right hemisphere um and they have a left hemiparalysis and for for some people they have no obvious awareness that there's something wrong if you have this it, it, it's usually only right hemisphere stroke with left hemiparesis it doesn't happen with left hemisphere stroke and right paralysis most of all those people go yeah there's something wrong my my arm is you know i'm paralyzed my arm is paralyzed and my leg is paralyzed but these people um they'll, they'll say um is there you know anything wrong with your left arm? And Oh, no, no, there's no problem. Well, um, you know, Mrs. Smith, would you, and my friend V.S. Brahmachandran, again, had done some of these experiments. So something like, Mrs. Smith, would you, with your right hand, point to that light over there? And her right her right arm is fine, so she points. And you say, well, Mrs. Smith, would, would you point with your left hand to that light? And of course, nothing happens. Mrs. Smith, wh- why aren't you pointing to the light with your well, you're asking me too many questions, doctor. I I don't. So she starts to confabulate. She'll she'll make stuff up. Right. And, and so the so once again, so she's you can see it's that's the opposite of making up a new reality. It's ignoring a reality. And so both can go on when we're constructing.
0: So, but am I ta- is Rob is Rob actually here, or is that just in my interface with my goggles on?
1: Well, so space and time itself is not fundamental. So it's just your headset. Right. So that's what I thought.
0: That's uh, what I uh, that's what I said when you went away. I, I said in my opinion, no, you're not really here. It's just in my in my headset to make simple, this is what's going on. But if the that's right, but if we can get past the headset, you would we would know that none of this is really here. This is just a projection.
1: That's right. And and I guess a good metaphor again is the the one you brought up, which is the metaverse. Again, Sam playing Grand Theft Auto. And I see, and you're playing, you guys are playing with me as well. And I see your, I see Tommy's avatar. Well, so does that Tommy avatar exist in reality? Well, it, it only exists when I render it. When I look over there and I see Tommy in his car, then it, then it exists. Otherwise, Now, now there is something beyond the the headset, right? Mm -hmm. There is there is Tommy's consciousness, which is only (laughs) all I'm seeing is my avatar of Tony in my headset, and that that doesn't exist. So so you only you're only seeing each we're seeing our avatars, and we're rendering them on the fly. But behind that, there is I'm proposing now again, this is a, a scientific proposal that's fallible. And of course, uh we'll find the limits of it but i'm proposing that there is this consciousness that's that's deeper and in in fact the the theory i'm working on right now says that there's ultimately one consciousness the the, the mathematics of our theory entails that we can talk about all these little conscious agents but they always combine to form bigger agents and ultimately because of this combination process there is ultimately just one agent but it's so complicated i can never describe it (laughs) Yeah. It, it, it's literally a theorem that it's impossible for me to describe it mathematically i can point to it with the mathematics i can describe all these little agents and i can do big simulations of all these little agents and and that's what we're doing but we can't ever it's mathematically impossible to go all the way to the one which is really interesting because spiritual traditions have said that for for a long long time but what i really think is going on here in that framework is All I'm seeing is, you know, what I call Tony and and so forth. Those are just avatars that I'm seeing, but behind it is the One. So all three of us are just avatars that the One is using to talk to itself. So the One is having a conversation using three avatars right now. That makes sense.
0: Right. Uh, So if if somebody was outside. Of the interface, or like we keep saying, the metaverse, <clears throat> and they didn't have them on, they would see me just talking to myself. I, like, right. You're right? Or you just talking to a, a screen that doesn't even exist, and Rob just Hanging over. sitting over there, maybe in his underwear, doing nothing. Right? You, you know I mean? But, ver- yeah, it, I mean, simple. It all depends, I, on, your, yeah, yeah.
1: It all depends on your interface, That what your interface lets you see and what it doesn't. And by the way, this has a lot to do then with the question about extraterrestrials, right? And, yeah. And, and, and the Fermi paradox: where are they? I mean, where, where are they? where are they? Well, I know. The reason we don't see them is we have a headset on. We're looking for them in space and time. In other words, we're we're looking for these other intelligences and consciousnesses, and we're stuck in our headset. And we're going: where, where are they? Well, you can look. Every, you can look on all the planets and galaxies in our universe. You're still stuck in your headset. Right. There, they could be all around you, and you're you can't see them because you got your headset on. Outside and of here. that
0: headset, because exactly that right. all those galaxies and planets and everything that's all within the headset.
1: That's all. But the headset. outside
0: of that headset, as I have a UFO here from Bob Lazar, and fucking, I mean, that got destroyed. But you know what's funny? I, I always I was really into the UFO thing, and I went on my astrophysicist kick, and for everybody in the planet, in, and then I started to think to myself. Before I got more into uh, you, pr- professor, I thought, let's just say this was reality. Now, if I can bend time and I'm going to go a gazillion billion miles away, why in the hell would I come here in a craft? That's what <laughs> I started thinking. And I would look over at my UFO from Bob Lazar, I'd be like, shit. You know, if, if I can come a billion light years away, if this were reality, I sure as hell would not come in a craft. And then that ruined my theory. That ruined my, my UFO hope.
1: Well, yeah. And again, I'm no expert in this area, but it, it occurs to me as well that if it seems improbable that these intelligences would be able to create craft that bend space time. They actually are so smart that they can actually change the geometry of space time and 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 do stuff that we and, and then they come here and they crash they're so stupid that they crash now, that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me right. I mean, it, that's what it, that's it, what it, killed
0: it, me yeah it it, could, yeah
1: so yeah. it i mean i'm not saying uh, maybe there's something i'm missing here um um i don't, I don't but, like, but,
0: like you're 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 mr professor guy i'm just over here but uh, like you said i'm just repeating one more time because i'm so disappointed but when you say, "Okay, well, how could they possibly get here?" Well, the only way they they could possibly get here would be to bend time in some way, shape, or form. And you're going to tell me that they're going to use a craft, and then they did get here and it crashed.
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't see that uh, happening. Well, now, of course, the interesting thing is in that the, in the goggles, can, okay, these these aliens, whatever they are, they they um may not have the same headset that we have. Right. And so what we now, see as uh, craft, their crafts may be the stupid projection into our trivial headset of a technology that uh, we couldn't comprehend using the language of our headsets. Right. So, for example, so one thing that occurs to me is that if we realize that space and time are just a format of our headset and we get our next step say this theory of conscious agents is a, a useful next step and it, and it gets so precise that we can make new technologies from it one technology i'd be interested in is travel right now if i want to go through space and time to the closest galaxy the andromeda galaxy it would take 2.4 million years at the speed of light 2.4 million years and that's the fastest you can go but but, but what if we actually know the headset and the software. Like I know that Grand, Grand Theft Auto software, and you're know, right, the 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 wizard in Grand Theft Grand Theft Auto has to drive through the space of Grand Theft Auto to get from one city to the next. But if I know the software, I could just literally take his car and move it from one city to the other outside of the game, mm-hmm. outside of the space time of Grand Theft Auto. I could just move there, or I could take take the tires off of his car if you know if, if he's too high in him. So I'll just take the gas out of his tank and, and remove his steering wheel. I, mean, I can do whatever I want, because I know the software of the game. So maybe one technology that will come out of the next step beyond space time is the ability to travel to different places inside our headset, but not through space time itself outside of the headset. Just we understand the software, you want to go to Andromeda, forget 2.4 million years, we'll just take you there right now
0: just like if you put the headset on and you want to go you want to watch the Lakers game tonight you're you have four seats right
1: that, that, that's right because you can you know the software you and you can software. make it happen Where? Once you know the software you're you're you, the, 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 the 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 person who's the wizard inside the game mm-hmm. is nothing Makes compared total sense. to the, the software engineer outside the game
0: and and furthermore just like when you do play a game now even with uh Xbox or whatever you can be talking and, and hanging out in that headset with somebody in China, Iran, Pakistan, within one second. You log in, you're hanging out in that game, headset, whatever, with somebody from Pakistan. Just like that. You take it a step further to what we're talking about, all of this is possible. It makes total sense to me.
1: Absolutely. And so for, for me, part of the excitement of, of developing this mathematics of conscious agents this is... This is really cool is yeah effectively we're taking the first step outside the headset that science has ever taken right now in the last 10 years we're going outside the headset we're starting to figure out the software that runs the headset the technology is going to be mind-blowing i i i want to see (sighs) the technology i can't imagine what those
0: not what that board looks like (laughs) 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 or or, our freaking building so going back to time because <clears throat> this is a another thing I read in might have been one of the papers that I was reading there is no time you smash the clocks time is man-made you know the sun goes around blah 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 it's lunch time it's dinner time that's just a a way to make as you stated life simple or the interface more simple if you take away time and you take away religion basically you don't have war you don't have war if you don't have time you don't have all this other craziness going on so when that goes away because it's they base it on the and even animals right on the sun coming up sun going down in the ocean the, the moon is a huge thing for everything supposedly for waves this that the other so when time's out of the equation period. The 24 hours, when you when you can separate the noise and take that out, how can you relate that all into, I don't think you're, what you say is a theory, I think it's a fact. How can you put that in to furthermore making this a fact with no time?
1: Right, so what we're gonna to have to do is to actually write down dynamics Beyond space time, which there is no arrow of time, right?
0: That's that's what I mean. The arrow, when you don't have an arrow of time, that's a bitch. <laughs> yeah.
1: there, there, that, well, well we, we, as I said, we, we can do that. It, mm-hmm. it turns out you can write down a dynamics in which the entropy does not increase. You hear that? So, mm-hmm. so, it's, so it's effectively, what it, it, so I think it, in many cases, what that means is that you can run the dynamics forward or backwards, and, and it's the same. It it, 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 but anyway, the idea is it's 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 sort of a unified whole the dynamics is a unified whole and but then when you take some kind of projection a headset projection of it then you get a decomposition of it into little parts and it looks like these parts are revolving in time and so forth but that and, and then you might say well man, uh, there's this uh, amazing choreography of uh, over time of how these things get more complicated and how they interact that's truly stunning but all of that will be merely an artifact of a projection of something that just is coherent on its own Mm -hmm. and doesn't evolve in time. So that, that and it's, it's, this is really having to think out of the box, but, but I'm, and, and ultimately we can't do the simulation of one, because what we would really need is the one, the, the, the the infinite one, because that's the only, that anything that I, I do is going to be already a projection. So I'm all, so, so already humility is the the law of the land right right Right. immediately what i love about this theory is it takes no time to find out what its limits are it's right there in your face and 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 so you humbly then do what you can and let's see how far we can reverse engineer but we'll always actually have in the theory we have a metric here's how trivial your progress is compared to what there is ahead. So we actually we, we can see how, at every step we can know exactly how trivial our progress <laughs> is and yet it'll be mind blowing what the technology is that we can get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just imagine you know you doing it. I can never say his name right but the, the best mathematician on the planet. I've read his, his books watched them. I always I'm back ever since I started the podcast thing in my interface. I've become dyslexic. I never was prior. I could say names and everything. Now I forget everything.
2: So if... It, all right, let's say I'm going to base something off of religion here. I'm going to base it off a of god, let's say. A god. Whatever belief you may be, there's a god. The one single entity. So would that single entity, that single god, technically be his... He's the one person it's his interface and we're all part of his consciousness meaning i exist or i am here but i'm through his consciousness tommy's through his consciousness his or her or whatever you want to call it you're here through his consciousness that it's one single person that it's their consciousness, all of us or what we're seeing.
1: Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm explaining that right. Yeah. I think that you're, you're pointing in, in a useful direction. Again, I think we're all stuck with words and words are inadequate because ultimately this, this one is so complicated that no, no words that we could use could ever describe it. So, so we, we're all going to struggle. Like you are struggling. I'm struggling. (laughs) We're all going to struggle. But my, my, the one, one thing I would say, in addition to what you said, is that this one, which transcends any scientific description we can give, I mean, we, we can prove, but that's the nice thing. We can prove in our theory that we can never get there. We can just prove it. So that, that's it's it's nice to know that you can prove your limits. And so you just sit there and go, okay, I, I can never get there. Um, mm-hmm. But I am the one and you are the one. Mm-hmm. In an avatar, mm-hmm. what what is happening here is, uh, and again, don't take the words all too literally, but we have to use words. Hoffman, Don Hoffman's not anything interesting. That's just that's just an avatar. It's the one. There's actually an infinite intelligence behind yeah. that avatar and behind Tommy and so forth. There's there's an infinite the, the, that same infinite intelligence. So the the uh, an interesting question from within our headset to ask is why would the one choose to project itself down into these different headsets and headsets in which there are fights and wars and poverty and hunger why, why would the one choose to do that 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 becomes why would unbounded intelligence lead to the american political system huh. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. why would unbounded intelligence do that to itself and 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 homelessness and 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 so forth. So this this raises some very very deep deep questions, and, and they're they're moral questions, but they're also intellectual questions, right? They're, they're and and but if you think about it, why do we as game designers? And I I had the the pleasure y- actually yesterday of having lunch with uh, Thomas Vu, one of the oh, top shit. game designers in the world right now. Oh um, yeah, he's huge he's he's huge and it, we, so we had lunch together yesterday and we were talking about these ideas um uh, with, with a few other fun people um uh, and these kinds of questions do come up right so and then he's thinking about he's going to have a book come up pretty soon i guess on on this topic and one thing that, that we talked about is that well you know why does he create games well it's fun and you you get to explore and try different things and 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 ultimately even if in the game there's poverty and so forth it's just your avatar it's not you it's just your avatar in the game um and there's an issue so why would the why would the one let itself become unconscious right to be so absorbed in the game that it doesn't even know that it's the infinite intelligence behind the game and you know so one possibility and and by the way now i'm i'm speaking way over my head here i mean uh, this is yeah, so I'm I'm speculating, but but it's fun to speculate and, and don't take me too seriously. But don't you have don't you have
0: to speculate to try to then prove yourself wrong?
1: Exactly right. That's right. You have to go above your head and above your pay grade. So I'm way over my head and way above my. Pay oh, grade. I'm way above
0: that. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was. above that since I said hi to you. <laughs>
1: but, but you, you got. To, you're exactly right, Tom. You have to. We have to make these speculations with the right provisos. Of course, I'm probably wrong, so that we can then find out why we're wrong and, and then move on to the next thing. But one possibility is that the one lets itself go unconscious. And take the game seriously, just so that it really gets into the drama of the game. It really gets into that drama, and really. So, and the question is: Is that just for fun, or is is there something deep about this? I mean, one possible really deep thing about it. And I'm not saying that fun isn't deep. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. It's fun, and that's that's pretty deep. And but it could also be it's a theorem that no system. Can ever know itself completely right if I like I have a computer and I say okay I want the I want a program in this computer so that the, the computer actually knows everything about itself well that can't be done because every time you learn something more about yourself the computer itself has become more complicated so now I have to learn about what you learned and and you get in the cycle so maybe the one can never know itself in principle and so, what it does is it looks at itself through lots of headsets, mm-hmm. countless headsets. Space and time is just one trivial one. This is probably one of the least interesting ones. What about a 50 dimensional headset? What about a trillion different colors instead of three, three dimensions of color or, or you know, of hue?
0: Because that you one can never, because the one will never have a headset. So, that one that we can never get to, or at least at this point, is looking at everything through a trillion headsets.
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly that. that, That's the idea. So I was about to say exactly right. Exactly right about the idea. I don't know if it's exactly right about the truth about reality, (laughs) but that's that's the idea. That's the idea to be shot down here. That's the one I'm proposing to 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 try to shoot down here. But it's an interesting idea that the one um, can only know itself or maybe understand itself through countless headsets. Or maybe maybe it's all about love. And maybe if there's only one of you, there's nothing to love. You put on headsets to learn and and you immerse yourself in and you put yourself in competition so that you learn what love is, is. right? When I actually give the shirt off my back Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to somebody who needs help or I I give my hard earned cash or, or I take someone in, then I'm learning what love is. At least from the perspective of this headset, it's it's a a useful look at what love really is. So uh, so again, I, so I, then, I feel completely inadequate here, but but uh, these are at least pointers. It,
0: so then that one would get those feelings through all of us yeah. with the headset on, because that one can never have those feelings. Maybe to be able to create all of this. So therefore, being that that one itself, whatever it is, can never feel anything, or see anything like that, it has to do it in this manner.
1: That that's a a real possibility that that the one itself needs to put on a headset, as you were saying, Tommy, it needs to put on a headset, have those experiences that it wouldn't have otherwise without the headset, and find out what love means in this context. Hmm or find out what self-awareness means in this context, or what waking up means in this context. And there's countless, countless contexts. So this is going to, this is endless. It's unbounded. The, the, the exploration is infinite.
0: Infinite. Now, now, has it been shot down <clears throat> mathematically and so on and so forth that maybe a planet from wherever away, you're sitting there, I'm sitting there, you know, don't look like this. And, you know, I'm on planet Z and I'm sitting there with a headset on watching myself on earth, go through all these things. Like I sent an avatar to earth to find out what's going on to then upload and download data. Has that been shot down?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I think I think it's it's at least po- is conceivable within this framework that 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 kind of thing would happen. So I don't know that. It, th- I think this framework that I'm talking about has not been taken seriously enough to have someone try to shoot that kind of stuff down yet. Um,
0: would that go along with would that go along with all of this in a sense?
1: It it, it absolutely could. And it, and it also brings up another issue that some people have about what I'm saying. Some people think that I'm saying that that some that something special about people, that we're that that our avatars are special and, and that our consciousness is special, and I'm not saying that at all. So take uh, an amoeba. What is an amoeba? Well, that's just an icon in my headset, from my point of view. But what is be what what is behind the amoeba? behind what's it. on the other side of the headset? Right. Right. Well. Right well it's the same thing that's on the other side of the tommy headset that i've got right it's the one well what's on the other side of the amoeba headset it's the one so so if i want to say use the language tommy is the one even though i know that's not exactly right but tommy is just a avatar avatar. it's just an avatar for the one well so the amoeba is equally an avatar of the one in my headset and and so in other words the distinction we make between higher organisms and lower organisms or living and non-living is not an insight into reality it's entirely an artifact of the limitations of our headset so i'm not giving humans the high point and we're the the consciousness of the one and a poor amoeba has no consciousness or, or, or small no no i look at a piece of wood dead, a dead piece of wood or a rock i'm interacting with an avatar of the one that is infinitely intelligent. So so that's that's what I'm saying here. So in, in my conversation that I was having yesterday with a bunch of guys, that question came up and I realized, oh well, that's an, an an interesting misunderstanding of what I'm saying that that could come up. So I want to make sure there's nothing species special about homo sapiens. This is we're not the ones that have the special consciousness.
0: You know, I I would tell you. I I I've not never... I would like to, but I I haven't. I've never done DMT or or the mushroom thing, but I, I, a lot of my friends did, and I started looking at grass and trees and leaves differently, because you know, do they have a conscience? Do they not have a conscience? This, that, the other, and when I watched them long enough, I put a camera out front of my house and slow mode it, and I, it knew when to shift with the wind, it knew. It knew when to go a certain way. Even the grass, it knew. Now, I know it's through the headset thing. But that goes along with your point of what makes us any more special than a piece of grass, in a sense.
1: Well, th- th- that's right. It, it, that distinction is entirely an artifact of our interface. It's always the one looking at itself. Yeah. And it, sometimes <laughs> it appears as a blade of grass, sometimes as a rock. and and But it's always the fact is that our interface because it dumbs things down can't always give us a deep insight into the consciousness behind that that's what interfaces do they dumb things down and so but but what's the rookie mistake is to take the limit of my interface as an insight into the nature of reality that's the rookie mistake
0: mm-hmm.
1: so to be very very clear I think that the distinction that we make between living and non-living things is not principled. It's not fundamental. I agree. With it's my, entirely an artifact.
0: My neighbors thought I was insane. They thought I, they that late. <laughs> my, my my neighbor thought I was uh, like some goofball. Um, can you pull up uh tab uh, five. He he's got killer papers, Rob. You got to read them. Um, <clears throat> so now to go along with the time thing, and, and I know it's through an interface, but when we look through the James Webb uh, telescope, 5, Rob and you know when you look through there you could see things that happened 100 million years ago however many million years ago doesn't that alone prove that time doesn't exist because in this life at 130 130 is over there is no more 130 i can't see what happened at 130 again but if i am if i'm looking through the james Webb telescope I can see something that happened however many gazillion years ago in my interface. So that tells me that, or that further solidifies what I think, and I think you do too, obviously that time doesn't exist because if it, if it actually existed, even in this interface, then how the hell can I see what happened supposedly a gazillion million years ago? Is it that I just want to see that or is it just that there's no time?
1: Right. So I would agree with you that time itself is not fundamental and that the experience of time is an artifact of the limitations of our interface, but but for physicists, there is a, a lot of debate. So, he, for example, um, there is a very famous physicist named Lee Smolin, uh, and I'll I'll be having, uh, I'll be at a conference w- with him in a co- in a couple of months. We'll be, be debating these kinds of issues, and he takes time as as fundamental. So he wants to take time as as a fundamental reality. Wow. And so it'll be fun to discuss with him because he's a he's a brilliant physicist and he knows everything that i've talked about and far more he's a physicist and i'm not um he's a high you know he's a he's a theoretical physicist on the other hand there are others like again Nima or connie hamed and ed witten and 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 the ones i mentioned before uh, david grossberg david david gross um who um say that that space time therefore time is not fundamental and 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 Nima makes a big point about this. So he gave a class at Harvard in 2019. And um, so if you just Google Nima arkani Hamed Harvard Lecture 1, you can actually see all of his lectures at Harvard on this graduate class where he's saying space time is doomed and that time is doomed. And, and so you can see him grappling with the notion of time. Um, so So physicists themselves. In a very healthy way, are taking different positions. They're, they're taking different views. You know, in is saying time is fundamental, and let's see where we can go with that. And and others are saying no, space-time itself is doomed. Let's see where we go and see how time arises. My my own take is that that you know, spe- that time has no operational meaning beyond the Planck scale, ten mm-hmm. to the minus forty-three seconds, roughly. So so that's it. That time, we know the scope. And limits of the usefulness of time; it stops at ten to the minus forty-three seconds, and we need a deeper concept. So that's that's my view: is that time itself um, has to be let go.
0: So what what do you th- when we're looking in that telescope? Is that just a projection in this interface, and it's uh, none of it's real? In your
1: opinion, you, 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 th- that's right. It's 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 being uh, rendered on the fly on as the we fly. look. I don't know, yeah. everything everything that we experience the, if, if you think about the game metaphor and this is what yeah. uh, I really enjoyed talking with with Thomas Fu yesterday about this because he, he he talked about how in his games the thing it, it's it's rendered on the fly and and even the data yeah. that's used for for these things is created on the fly some 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 of these little avatars um until you interact with them they only have like a sex and an age that's all It's only when you interact with them that 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 all this information that downloads into the into the avatars so but but then only then do you get a a deeper rendering and and so so when we look at things through our space telescopes um we create a new rendering and and then it exists as a render what really exists quote unquote in in the deeper framework is the one and outside of outside of the game Outside that's of right. the game. Outside of the game. The,
0: right. the, the the game is that's so cool that you talk to him, because that's what this is, and, and who better to talk to? And then the goal, like you said, would be what's outside of the game, and then that's what I would assume where the one is, and where you know maybe there's a universe, maybe there who the hell knows what's out there, right? Or yeah. or beyond this game.
1: The, 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 that's right, my, my own attitude about it is that no description will ever come close. Yeah, even mathematical descriptions will ever come close to fully exposing all the fantastic complexity of the one no, nothing will ever nothing will even get started in that. On the other hand, what we know from our human history in this interface, is that most of our theories are nonsense and, and, and pointless. Every once in a while, you get a Newton, an Einstein, or a quantum theory, like Schrodinger and others. And the idea is less wrong. Yeah, <laughs> And, and, and it's, it has some kind of hooks we're talking by zoom why because we have these theories that allowed us to build technology that would be indistinguishable from magic from for someone two centuries ago this would be magic what we're doing mind-bending magic Mm -hmm. so these theories which we know are limited which we know barely scratch the surface nevertheless are giving us the power to do something we couldn't do otherwise so we have to wrap our heads around that fact that on the one hand, our theories are trivial and 99.99% of our theories are just flat out. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit.
0: Bullshit. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. Sorry. You are a professor. Should we say? Sorry.
1: (laughs) But the other, um, the theories that we have that, that we know have are ultimately going to be not the truth. Some of them have hooks into reality somehow. And that's that, that's a relationship I don't understand, so I'm very interested in in understanding that relationship
0: It's like uh when a girl catches you doing something, you know one percent of it is true right one ninety nine percent's wrong, but that one percent's true and you're doomed and and what you're doing is that one percent you could take that and build off of it. I'm just making a joke because it's so you know this stuff gets so thick you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, th- this is a great paper. Uh, do you want to elaborate a little bit on this? The Fusion of uh, Consciousness? Oh. This is great.
1: Yeah, this is our, our paper that just came out this year. Um, and the, the key contribution of this paper is we're, we're trying to t- make the notion of consciousness into a genuine scientific notion that's testable that's testable like in particle colliders, like the Large Hadron Collider and Fermilab and so forth. And what we're doing is we're the physicists, like Nimar Hamed and his collaborators, are already for the last 10 years, exploring what might be outside of space time. And they're finding stuff, right? They're, they're publishing papers. They, so this is all like the last 10 years so this is brand new stuff most physicists don't know about it because this is just high energy theoretical physics it's one small branch of physics most physicists don't know about it but they're finding structures and one of the deepest ones they found is something called a decorated permutation now a permutation is like a shuffle if you have a pack of cards and you shuffle the order you're you're permuting the order of the cards that's a permutation and a decorated permutation is just a permutation it's got a little technical twist that that's not really important here Uh, so the weird thing is when they look beyond space-time and they're trying to find what structures beyond space-time can actually predict the probabilities that particles in the collider will smash into each other and and explode out like two gluons smashing in and four gluons go what they find are permutations Permutations. the deepest structure they're finding are like card shuffles (laughs) now you can imagine they're scratching their heads. Yeah. What? What <laughs> in the world? So we we're, we're taking our first steps out outside of the headset, and we're looking out. What? What's outside of space and time? Card shuffles. Yeah. You, like who ordered that? And and why? I want, I, want you, <laughs> I want my money back. I want my. I've been jepped here. <laughs> I've been cheated. So so. So what we did we, we said look this, the physicists just in the last 10 years have discovered these, these these static structures so they're they're like geometries like the amplitude heater is a geometry and the and the these decorated permutations are a, a mathematical structure but th- there's no dynamics and of course physics likes dynamics right. so we said is can is is there some way that we could take our markovian dynamics of conscious agents which we say is outside of space-time and map that dynamics onto what they found, right? Because if we can do that, suppose we could map our dynamics of consciousness onto the decorated permutations. Suppose we found that. Well, they could then give us the map from the decorated permutations into particle scattering in space time. They, they there are that's what they're doing. They've already done so. We don't have to do that hard work. We just get to plug into what they've done. So you can see, I I, I want to cheat. The physicists have already found some structures beyond space-time i'm going to plug into those structures so so what we did in the last year is we said well is there a mapping from markovian dynamics onto decorator permutations what what is the mathematical mapping and we we did a search in the literature and no one had done it there there was no general theory about mapping so we did it so this (laughs) is this paper is a new contribution to mathematics we say here is a canonical map and and we found another another one. So these are these are really beautiful maps that exist from Markovian dynamics into decorated permutations. So and since this paper what we've done is we said now now that we have the map what part of the dynamics of the conscious agents corresponds to particles because we now that we have this mapping into decorated permutations and from decorated permutations into particles we can now say, okay, if according to this map, this is the part of the Markov dynamics of conscious agents that corresponds to particles in space-time. And so we found that. And so now we're, we're going through and we're saying, okay, so what properties of the dynamics corresponds to mass, energy, momentum, and spin? And we just published that in uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences had a competition. Yeah. Um, and the the winners, there. it was a competition to get a... Um, some experiments that would show that consciousness is not just a product of the brain.
0: That would be great. And so
1: we, we <clears throat> proposed this, a computational experiment, to show that we could go from a theory of consciousness through decorated permutations to predict scattering, and so that, therefore, we would show that that, that consciousness was prior to particles, and particles are prior to the brain, so consciousness isn't a product of the brain.
0: Because you have the map, so, and then you're just implementing the encoding.
1: That that's right, and so in in our proposal for that competition, we wrote down our proposal for what is what cor- what aspect of the dynamics of conscious agents corresponds to mass? It's something called the entropy rate of these recurse, re- recurrent um, communicating classes. That so that that last sentence I don't expect anybody to understand, but I'm just just for <laughs> complete, the mass corresponds to the entropy rate of the the recurrent communicating classes just to show that there, there is a technical term here that, that we were putting out and and spin, we, we have put that down. It has to do with the Markovian kernel acting on the, the basis vectors and and then also the momentum and, and so forth. So we, we put that all in, and ours was one of the prize winners. So we won, uh, we were one of three prize winners for it. So that's, that's actually published. So that's what we're doing. So this paper gave the mapping from markov chains of conscious agents into decorated permutations and then our latest paper said okay now that we have the we have the thread let's start building a a highway on this thread what is mass what is momentum what is spin what is energy and and that's what we're trying to do so we're going to try to get a mapping of all the the properties of conscious agent dynamics into space time and it's not because by the way you know you might say well why is hoffman after all these particles. I mean, this is a little strange. There's all sorts of other stuff that you there's chemistry, there's biology, and there's the brain, right? Most of our knowledge about consciousness is about the neural correlates of consciousness. This part of the brain activity corresponds to color perception. This part of the brain corresponds to you know, motion perception. And, And if you have a stroke here, you can't see faces. So that's where we know the most about physical objects corresponding with consciousness. So why is Hoffman going after particles? And, and the answer is, I'm going after particles, not because they're the most interesting, but because of the simplest. We have to start with the simple, that's the simplest thing in our interface. The particles of our interface are the simplest possible things. So you have to get the mapping really nailed down for the particles. You've got to have that completely nailed down before you try to crawl up to, you know, the nucleus of the atom, and then to, to atoms, and then to molecules, and then to you know, bi- you know biology and then to the brain. You I mean, you have to work your way up. So particles, you have to start with the simplest thing and and nail every step down.
0: Right, because you can't you can't get to the answer to you know <clears throat> this with the brain, that with the brain without having this mapped down. You're it's like you're leaping 50,000 steps and just <clears throat> saying do this. That that's, that's what this. I got from your paper.
1: A- a- absolutely. And, and that's why uh, I feel for my, my colleagues. Um, again, these are my good friends, and they're brilliant. Yeah, their IQs lamp. are out the wazoo. Yeah. But but the framework is, we're going to start with a complex object like the brain. And we're going to figure out how consciousness arises from the brain.
0: Go to that. Um, I'm next all
1: time. for neuroscience research, we need tons of neuroscience research. And I'm all for studying the neural correlates of, of consciousness. That's absolutely essential.
0: But you got to get that first part down, or at least somewhat down.
1: That's right. If you think that you're going to go from the brain to consciousness, it's not going to work. Because <laughs> you're already because,
0: stuck in your consciousness then.
1: That, that, that's right. You're stuck, and, and you're using an interface symbol mm-hmm. to try to boot up the reality behind the interface. You're going to get if, nowhere. If, if if I only use what I know about the steering wheel and the red Ferraris and the, and the gas pedals I see in Grand Theft Auto... How am I going to go from that to understanding the software in a supercomputer? It's not going to work. Well, we we
0: go back, Professor, to what we were saying in the beginning. The brain just wants to take what's easy. And what's easy is not starting with the particles. What's easy is just jumping ahead and saying, okay, we have this, and we're going to do this, this, and this, and this is what we're going to live with. But you're not getting out of your own interface and consciousness by doing that. You have to go back to the beginning to figure out as small as like you said the, the, the smartest pop, pop, particles and everything like that to then get to that point not just to okay <clears throat> the a1 fires to the a2 and this beta right. antagonist in the brain causes a stroke on this side and will make your leg not work okay great but what's before that right
1: <laughs> this
0: episode is brought to you by fiji more than just water this is not just rock.
2: It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water.
1: Exactly right. Now, now my colleagues... They, are, are I, doing they doing hate that, I'm sure. They, <laughs> well, no, they, 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 what you said is correct. And what my colleagues are thinking, though, is they don't agree with me that consciousness is fundamental. They still think that space time is fundamental. Wow. And they, they they think that somehow unconscious matter, when it gets complicated enough in its functional properties, like neural activity, will create consciousness, they don't know how it's going to do it. But they they're confident that eventually they will get there. Uh, I mean, F- Francis Crick thought this right, Francis Crick and Tom Watson discovered the structure of DNA and, in some sense, demystified life showing the structure of dna and francis spent the last couple decades of his life trying to do this with consciousness he thought he could understand from neuroscience get the right understanding of neuroscience that would lead to uh, an understanding about how consciousness emerges just like the double helix structure sort of mm-hmm. gave you a lot of insights into life replication and so you know, inheritance genes all that stuff he hoped the same thing would come out from from neuroscience and, and neural correlates of consciousness <clears throat> and you I, I had the good fortune of um you know knowing francis and and there was a group of us that met at, at my university university of california Irvine, every month for almost 20 years we, we met in secret because francis was so famous that <laughs> if anybody knew he was on campus we you know, we'd be mobbed and we wouldn't get anything done so mm-hmm. there's a small group of us that met every month and we were doing this we were we were looking at the the neuroscience and trying to understand um, the neural correlates of consciousness and trying to come up with theories about how brain activity could create conscious experiences So so very very bright people like Francis Crick and and most of my colleagues uh, um, Are who are, are in this field are assuming that that we start with brain activity or um, like integrated information, which is slightly more general um, And somehow we'll We'll get consciousness arising out of it. So that's their bet What I'm thinking is it's going to they'll have to they'll come to the point where they realize it's far more complicated that actually we need and and i would say it this way we need more funding for neuroscience not less because neuroscience and its relationship to consciousness is far more complicated and more difficult than we ever thought we have to take when we look inside of a brain through a microscope and we see a neuron We thought that's because there is a neuron. No, you're seeing an avatar in your interface. The neuron is just a symbol in your interface. You have to reverse engineer that neuron
0: neuron. and
1: all of its synapses and all the network you have to reverse engineer that to the software outside of space and time, to figure which it is out. far more complicated, <clears throat> which projects down to the brain. Mm-hmm. Tri- the brain, as complicated as it is, the, the you know, there's what 86 billion neurons in the brain and trillions of synapses. Complicated, but it's trivial compared to its back projection, but the, the thing behind it that we have to reverse engineer. So neuroscience is far more difficult. the neuroscientists realize you see a neuron that's just the start we have to reverse engineer a neuron to who knows how complicated the networks are outside of space-time behind that neuron so so but science is rigorous and we know when we fail and when i'm on stage with with my colleagues and friends and i say give me one specific conscious experience that you can explain, Mm -hmm. and they have to say, I can't do it. They, they, there's no hand wave. It's not like you know that you haven't done it. And so that at some point, the tide will turn when, you know, it might be another century, maybe two centuries. Maybe we'll have to go for two centuries and have zero conscious experiences that we can say this is the pattern of neural activity that must be this conscious experience. It could not be anything else. And this is the principle. We won't have that. And after 200 years, maybe they'll finally say, well, maybe we better take the idea seriously that space time isn't fundamental. <laughs> and but but science will get there eventually. But we may have to knock our head on on this wall for a long, long time.
0: Well, like you said, and like you said many times, scroll back up to the top. And then if you can elaborate on fact, uh, fiction and fitness, this is good, too. Uh, you've said it many times. I think I heard you say you meditate. I can't meditate to save my life, but I can block noise out. You, Like you said, to do this, those neuroscientists and everything, <clears throat> they have to block out all the noise, everything they may have thought, no matter what, how dead set they are, block out the noise and just take a look without any noise. And I think that's how eventually in time, at some point, You'll get enough that will block out the noise from the outside, anyone around, any anything, and just take a look. And then once I think they do, oh, there's something here. Without ego,
1: you know. I I I agree that on on two different grounds. I mean, first that the the truly creative ideas of course, you have to do your homework, and you have to study and, and be a good student and so forth, you have to be diligent. But the but ultimately, the, the true breakthroughs and insights come when you then let that all go and you go into this silent creative space, you, you let go of all concepts, the true breakthroughs come. But but I and I also agree with the other thing that you said that that is letting go of ego is is really, really critical. The The attachment to ego, and to you know I'll, I'll put it this way um if i was really going after this for ego reasons there are much nicer things to do than than being <laughs> thought of as a fool by my 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 professional peers right there's so 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 it it helps to to it, it's actually good to I mean it's, it's in some sense a you know you just have to look at the ego and say you'd like to be thought of as, as really smart by your, you know, your colleagues in your fields. If you do this kind of research, you're going to look like a nut, uh, maybe for the rest of your life. Um, so how does that feel? Well, it doesn't feel good to the ego. So, well, then I need to check my ego out, let go of it and, uh, let myself be a fool and go ahead and do this work. And so being attached, to the ego gets in the way. So, uh, you know, on the other hand, you know, there's someone could reply and say, well, look, um, your ego's telling you something really important. You are a kook, and this is really, you shouldn't be doing this stuff. This is really, really nutty. You shouldn't, and so you have to be careful all the time, right? So what, what am I, am I, do I have good grounds for thinking that the current paradigm is wrong? And I think that the verdict of quantum field theory and general relativity is clear. Space-time is doomed.
0: Well, nobody's we proved, to, nobody's you're, proved you're wrong.
1: That, that that that's right, and and our best <laughs> theories agree that space time is doomed, so let's get on with it let's let's move ahead, yeah, and the faster the better um, in my view, um but it's no surprise that my colleagues in the neuroscience sciences are not on this because most physicists don't understand that space time is doomed. It's only a small group of high energy theoretical physicists. This is their bailiwick. This is their arena. This is where they are, the experts. And they're the ones that are saying, holy smoke, it's over for space time.
0: And the one good thing about this generation, and there's not much, but the one good thing is (laughs) there's a handful that aren't into the TikTok and and the other uh, BS. My lawyer's son is 16. And what he developed with the, the stock market and the trends, I mean, he what he developed on a computer. He's not into all the, the craziness. He developed almost what, uh, Edward Dow did. I don't know if you know who that is, but we had him on him on, and he's a tycoon with trends. So like the, like my audience here, <clears throat> you know, like I said, they're 18, you know, 18 to 35. And then you have the older. Someone's going to see this that isn't into the TikTok and the bullshit. You know what? I just post in ghost and they're going to be like, Hmm. And it might be that genius that's sitting there or the genius that doesn't even know he's a genius yeah. and just starts digging. You know what I mean, Professor?
1: A- absolutely, Tommy. And, and in fact, that is the primary reason why I do podcasts is I know that there As if are you have the stuff. time to do it. <laughs> As if yeah, you have right? three hours to do this right now, you know. There, and I do appreciate it, sir. I want to tell you how much I appreciate heard. it. There's a, some goat herder in Nigeria- yeah, who has an IQ of 250? That if he hears this or she hears this, could run circles around anybody. That so that's why I'm doing this is, is that I have a very limited IQ. There are I know I'm, I've been around really smart people, so I, I I know where I stand, and I'm not one of them. There there are <laughs> these geniuses, so I'm just trying to get this stuff out there so that true geniuses can run with it, and I can just read their papers. And so that's that's in fact why I do this. That's
0: beautiful. Scroll down to this. Yep. Uh, so we can go to this. This is cool. You just have to read it. You know, all these will be at the top of the description. So everybody can read it. Just read the first part slow and you, you get into it real quick. This is a, a, a go, another good one, Professor.
1: Yeah, this is the paper that, that actually uses evolutionary game theory to show that evolution will never shape us to see the truth. No, no one gets to see the truth on evolutionary grounds. It's 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 just impossible. Straightforward.
0: I'll yeah. go to the uh, next tab. Bet you that one gets read more than any of, <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> Hit accept all cookies. Uh, objects of okay. uh, conscious. Th- th- this one. This is an easy read too. <laughs> no, you. No, really, they are. They're. They're not. Oh, okay. They're oh, not great. too well, crazy. I'm, I'm, you know.
1: I'm. I'm delighted. Yeah, because this is the one where we we give our mathematical model of conscious agents. Um, So it actually has the math and some um, initial theorems about the conscious agents. Um, And and this is the paper we're building on for our our recent work trying to get particles out of consciousness.
0: I can't wait for that. And and you see, when when you go to this, it's not all these crazy equations that, you know, I don't have a high enough IQ. You know what I mean? But when when the framework is there first or a couple uh, paragraphs is there first, Then I'll look up the math. Then you know I'll go and and look what some of your colleagues do and say. Okay, what does this mean? What does that mean? After I read what I can comprehend, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you're motivated. Yeah.
1: Because now I want to know. If someone says just let x equal this formula, go. Why why should I be interested? But if you actually have some context, then then you might be motivated to to learn a little bit of mathematics to to solve that problem that's the way it is for me i'm not a mathematician i i respect and 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 uh, uh, look up to mathematicians and and i work with mathematicians i'm not a mathematician and i only learn the mathematics that i need to solve the problem that i'm interested in
0: so <laughs> go back up real quick right, right uh right right down on the revolution because that that that's where you know i was reading this so that's where it got me and i started digging more and more and more down 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 um,
2: Where is Yeah,
0: right there. Stop. All right. The human mind is predisposed from early childhood to assume object premises. Sorry about my uh, pronunciation. To assume the objects have shapes and positions in space, even when objects in space are unperceived. It is reasonable to ask whether this assumption is a genuine insight into the nature of objective reality or simply a habit that is perhaps useful but not necessarily insightful. See, that gets me going.
2: Yeah,
1: there, there's a lot there.
0: W- with my five IQ, that gets me going.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it, it, it's a shocking question. It's it, it's a it's a shocking question because it's it's something that we just have assumed all of our lives. Yeah. And but once you put the question down there, you go, mm-hmm. huh? Mm. That is an interesting question. Of course, I know the answer. Of course, I know that we see the truth. But but I should be able to just explain why I see the truth. And then when you start to try to do that, then then you go, Wow, this is a deep rabbit hole. Yeah, I didn't know. Once you read hole.
0: that first paragraph, and you go, ah. you go well, once you read that first paragraph, you go, Okay, well, what's on the next paragraph? Yeah. And then what's on the next one, and then the next one, and then you go back to maybe the one or two that you don't quite get. And then you can put them all together. And then you're like, Whoa, okay. Calm the noise. Let me think about this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> now, um, Professor, when people do DMT, for example, you know, the Toad One, real, real strong psychedelics, and they break through to another reality. Yes. Now that's still in the that's still in the uh that's still in the, yeah. the game interface, <clears throat> but it's it's is there any interest to you how they break into this other reality and they seem to come back not nutcases they they come back with a different perception on reality life nature everything do you think there's anything to that more than what, just
1: I, I, I think so i think that there that there's a lot to explore there and then, and it's it could be very very powerful and don't lose any grants Yeah, there's a deep (laughs) research project that I I see here. And I'll just say from this point of view of of the conscious agent theory. We're going to want to take the theory of conscious agents and these network of interacting conscious agents and show how that creates an interface. We want to build a network of conscious agents that actually then itself constructs our space-time interface right so so it turns out that conscious agent networks are computationally universal anything that you can do with a neural network or a a computer you can do with conscious agent networks so we can so we can build networks that compute stuff so we can use a network of conscious agents it'll be hard work but to actually show how you build the space-time interface once we do that and won't be tomorrow we want to take that network that that builds interface we want to now turn it around and have it look at the very network that computes it mm-hmm. what does that network look like from the point of view of the interface that's made right yeah you see this is very self-ref what if we if we succeed what it will look like is brains and neurons that's what the so when we take the network that computes our space time interface, and we turn that network back on the part of this whole network of conscious agents that's building the interface. It will look like brains and neurons. That's what I meant. We have to reverse engineer things. So then, we can then start to ask your question more technically. So someone takes DMT or you know MDMA or whatever it might be. Yeah. What is that d- drug in the interface? we have to reverse engineer the drug into the network of consciousness what is it doing to this network of conscious agents that's building the interface how does it altering that network and then we can start to answer the kinds of questions that you're talking about in other words there's a real research project here my guess is it'll depend on the drug and that some drugs will be completely uninteresting the, 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 they basically just screw things up yeah and other drugs may actually be very interesting and might actually point to interesting glitches in the matrix that we can begin to exploit to understand more deeply how the matrix is composed <clears throat> and how it's constructed that's so, why, so yeah
0: that's why i brought it up because and i, I know some soup i mean they will not admit it on you know, in front of 5 million people or 10 million people, but they I mean, extremely smart people. And when I go through your work and from what they've told me, I'm just a, for, I'm afraid I'm going to be that one guy that, that does it. I'm, and I'm the one that keels over in this interface. That's how I've like, I'll be that one in a million, you know, but if, but if they can, if you can smoke DMT, if you can take a certain type of mushroom and you're in reality, but you're not. So, like, when, when you trip on uh, LSD, you're still here. You know, you're not, like, in la-la land, but you're seeing things. You're breaking through things. You're seeing things that you wouldn't see under this consciousness or this interface naturally, especially the DMT. So I've seen people come back from that, totally different people, and turn into millionaires. It's really weird. Wow. But, well, they what they they would do it, and they would come back and, like I said, be more in touch with nature and and things, and they could feel the negativity around them, and they would lo- and they would have uh, the guts, you know, to to disassociate themselves with certain people and and progress. My point is being, if they can take that, which. You know, like a mushroom's natural. I mean, geez, I mean, real MDMA, you know, there's a lot of studies on that. Remember the guy who made that, he even made that for depression. It's like the best drug on the planet for depression until you start mixing it with all this other craziness. But if you can break through to another consciousness with that, then that to me proves everything we've been talking about.
1: It certainly is data that that is supportive. Supportive,
0: uh, this, supportive,
1: right? supportive, Absolutely. Yeah, so supportive of, of this kind of approach. It, 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 it certainly is. Although my colleagues, um, who are physicalists and, and neuroscientists, would disagree, they would say, Look, we'll get the story about how consciousness is created by the brain. And we'll also understand how these drugs affect how the neurons themselves create the consciousness. So that's, that's, that would be their kind of response. And how
0: are they going to do that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that they. You know, I I would bet good money that they'll never get it. I um, just
0: seem to think that that not promoting or anything, like but under the right circumstances, if doing a thing like DNT was studied by guys like yourself and so on, that might be one of those markers to what's outside of this. I mean, big marker. That's what what's outside of this. Metaverse or game. Uh,
1: I, I think I think you're right. And I think that the, the research will be interesting and also difficult because mm-hmm. it requires actually having at least some grasp on the software outside of our interface. Right. You, you can't jump ahead. Of, you, you, you have to, we right. have to actually do one step at a time here. Right. But what we can do is get the empirical data mm-hmm. that's suggestive but then we'll need the deeper theoretical framework to properly interpret it. Because right now the theoretical framework will be neurons create consciousness, so we're going to interpret it in that framework, and and that will only get you so far, um, and then you'll get stopped. You'll get good neural, neural correlates, and that's perfectly fine. That that's great work, and it, it should be done. But the, the deep theory will escape you.
0: But if you have, but if you start with the particles and figure out the consciousness, and then connect out with the outcome from the studies from the dmt or whatever psychedelic then 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 you start to to make progress
1: then you can really make progress but there's that that's a it's not going to be an easy we have (laughs) it's a lot of work i have to move (laughs) that's so that's why by, by the way for those who are interested in doing the work um here here's the kind of background you need to actually make wanted to contribute to the theory um right now i'm looking for someone with a phd in algebraic geometry and someone who's got a phd in high energy theoretical physics who knows neymar karni and work those are the kind of people that um if they're interested i would want on the team immediately for the steps that we're taking right now um so but but you can see it's this is no hand wave You, you actually getting a phd in algebraic geometry is is not a trivial thing it's a very, very difficult topic and and or a PhD in high energy theoretical physics, but but that's what's going to be needed. So I, I get emails a lot of times from people who, who don't have an advanced degrees and think that they can crack this. No. And, and they, they may have IQs that are twice mine and insights and intuitions that are far better than mine, but uh, there's no chance to actually break the problem open unless you do the homework and actually learn the math, learn the science, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, It's great to be that smart, but you, that's not enough. You've, you've got to put the years in and learn the math and the physics and the cognitive science, and then your intelligence can help break through. So you can't have the real insights that are gonna be useful until you've actually done your homework.
0: Do you know who Robert Beto is?
1: Sounds familiar. He, had, he to,
0: has that. Well, what, what was the second one you were looking for? I don't want to jamble it up. So,
1: so uh, algebraic geometry is one PhD. Yeah. The other is um, the high-energy theoretical physics, yeah. especially the, the work of um, Nima Arkani-Hamed and, and his collaborators. Yeah,
0: a, yeah we know. We, we've had him in. And I, I. this is funny. He, he does have a PhD in that. That's what he does. Yeah. Uh, his name is Robert Beto. Uh, cool guy. And the way I met him, it's funny how you meet these like super... Insanely smart guys. He's into uh, like death metal, like death metal, heavy metal. <laughs> He's into death heavy metal. <laughs> wow. And uh, just to tell a quick funny story, he went. He 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 does all this mind bending stuff, and he went to an island that they would they wouldn't let him do what he wanted here for whatever reason. You know, he he was along the lines of this. He he was he. He was, there was no big bang uh, when I had him in, it was four hours. We were, you know, our, our jaws were on the floor. You know, this was two out, two years ago, there was no big bang. This, this is all, you know, and he's from Ukraine actually. So he had the yeah. accent and he, this is bullshit. This is all bullshit. This does not exist. Do you remember? Yeah. none of this exists. So he went and he built uh, and he was proving with something that he was doing that I can't comprehend that he could uh, create energy for an entire island with ocean water, but he did it in a way that I can't speak like him, but he did it in a way that would would go with this because it's all math and crazy stuff like that, okay? He did it. You know what they did? They blew it up. They blew it up. Yeah, they blew it up. Hmm. The U.S. blew it up because of whatever political however they were making money free energy free energy free energy energy. he did it through through math he created free energy to completely uh the entire island that wasn't like some little like ditch island i mean it was an island of i don't know a couple hundred thousand people electric uh, everything you know, they they were starting to build grids, and they and he did all this thing from one little thing in the ocean. Bobbed up and down. It just bobbed up and down. He did it. It took him maybe a year and a half, two years to do it, and they blew it up. They blew it the hell up. I'm, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna connect wow. you with him. He's a really cool guy, and and he has that degree that you just said.
1: Are there any articles about this? The U.S. doing this? Uh, like published articles, yeah. newspaper articles, or?
0: Yeah, if if you type in Robert Beto, Bado, B A D O, uh, okay. You, you'll I'll see. Look, you yeah. might be on like Google page 9,077,000 okay. million, You know, uh, but uh, if if you're interested, I'll get you in touch with him. He's a really cool guy.
1: And yeah, let me look him up. Jesus, he's absolutely, absolutely. smart. Right, yeah, because um, yeah, we need people smart like that. Yeah, we, we, and we, and we he's pissed, doing.
0: and he's pissed. So he he want, he likes to go. He's one of those ones that, uh. You know when I first started to get into this he he was really he's very you know as a Ukraine guy he's very straightforward let's just say okay. and and he he you know he's a, the physicist guy the math guy he's all he's got like 20 freaking degrees and he just calls them all idiots and you know they're they're they write something and they they think that that's it and they do this and their ego their ego the whole problem is their ego and and this was before the Ukraine thing happened And he goes, I'd like to put them in in third world countries so that they would lose their ego and understand to keep an open mind, you know, this whole thing. Uh, But but I think that would be uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any connections with people with you know like algebraic geometry PhDs and and high energy physics PhDs would be appreciated because and and it doesn't mean that they even have to collaborate with me. I mean, if we put them onto these problems, like I can talk to them and say, here's here's some of the open problems, and they may just want to take it on do their own thing
0: yeah I, he's he's yeah. he's the type that would spend thirty seven thousand hours trying to figure it out too that'd be fabulous so uh a couple last things i don't want to take up too much of your time and would love to yeah, talk my, to you my,
1: my, my body is fading i've got this long code <clears thing in throat> oh
0: shit yeah I, again i wanted to I'm, I'm glad you made it through that now when you went through that you uh you know i, I remember you saying i think it was on lex uh you know called your wife told told her you loved her and you weren't for a second there and if i'm putting words in your mouth i'm sorry but for a second there you lost like track that you're in a you're in this game this interface right when when that cova got really bad yeah I, how did you snap in and out of that when you're in the situation you're in
1: well yeah it, it i got to the point where um my heart situation was so bad. I just assumed I was. A, I was at the point of death, and um, my, so I didn't end up being like super spiritual. Or anything. I was just scared. I was just scared. So I I saw where I was, um, and um, it that was a little over two years ago, uh, and it it's been a tough two years. I I'm Sorry. my heart has been permanently damaged and. Um, so I have to, I've had to uh, be very, very careful, even just walking upstairs. Um, I mean, before I was going to the gym and trying to run, keep up with the young guys at the gym, that was just you know, two and a half years ago I was doing that and, and um, pu- pushing heavy weights and so forth. And now I have to be very, very careful. So it looks like COVID has permanently changed me. We'll, we'll, we'll see, maybe over the next couple of years, if, if the heart, Improves the rest of my body seems to be okay, but, but the heart is pretty central, um, and and so my energy, you know, after a couple hours, I have to be very very careful to not overtax my heart and, and let it continue to to recover here. And, I'm, very well, with,
0: uh, right I'm very good friends with I'm very good friends with Doctor Robert Malone, and uh, he he's been in a bunch of times. I talked to him, and he had the same issue, and he was actually a vegan, and he he they wouldn't let him do any studies here on how to. Uh, to come up with something to fix the long COVID, so he went to Japan, and all he could find, believe it or not, was meat. Eating a lot meat. of meat, meat, and meat. like meat, and he looked a hell of a lot better when I saw him two months ago than he did a year ago. I mean, just you
1: know. yeah, I'm trying to really take care of myself. Eat eat plenty of protein, and yeah. and of course, uh, a balanced diet, and and do the exercise that I can. So I I do the exercise that I can, but then I also <clears throat> Try to make sure I don't push too far.
0: All right. Last thing, I'll let you go. So, when we're done here on this interface, what do you think happens? And the answer can't be I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, of course, that is the right answer, but but I can speculate. (laughs) Uh, See, yeah.
0: Could you speculate, and then then I'll take the handcuffs off (laughs) uh,
1: you. I think that we have some hints from people who've had the near death experiences. Right? They talk about seeing a, a tunnel of light and. and many of them experience peace and joy and and a a life review. Um, And then the ones that we get to talk to are the ones that that come back afterwards. Uh, My my guess is um, the one is the one and you are and I are the one and 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 the one probably is welcoming itself back. (laughs) And there's just love period and um and all the things that we you know, m- most of us are asleep all of our lives we don't know who we are We're, we think that uh, you know i'm i am this person that has this car and this house and this reputation and did this and that and, that, and that's who i am so there's a th- you look at your curriculum vita you, yeah. your accomplishments your name your address that's me and 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 you realize, oh no! You wake up, and no, that was that was your avatar, and that has, and the avatar is not you at all. Your avatar in Grand Theft Auto was not you; it's just your avatar. And if the avatar gets ma- smashed in Grand Theft Auto, no great shakes. That wasn't you anyway. So oh, I, I, sorry, last time. Go ahead. So I think that, that that's that's my guess is that, um, it's a, it's a it's a, it's a homecoming. But if you want a humorous take on on your question,
0: but that's what it, you think, though, right? You you think that well, we all we all go back to one, all of us. So I'll that's, see you. I'll see you back at one, whatever the hell that is.
1: That's right. Even um, those who have done things we call horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but it, uh, there's a humorous take on your question and. For those who haven't seen the movie uh, "Defending Your Life" by, with Mel Brooks, that's a that's a fun take on it. I'm not I'm not saying that's the truth, but it, yeah. if, if you want if you want a good laugh, uh, you know, in the in the area of this question, that's a fun take. Uh, defending your life.
0: Great, thank thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Hopefully, I get to talk to you in, in person. We'll have all the links. Uh, the, the the two uh, people that you're looking for will have in Beto. I'll shoot to you, and uh, thank, thank you again you. so much for your time. And I hope you feel better.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Tommy. Thank you. Take care. All right. Hope to see you in person soon.
0: Thank you.